This week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by a Hogwarts letter. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighbourhood film snob, and uh, we're still in the 90s. We're going to be here for a while, so I should probably stop opening the episodes by saying we're still here. That's the theme. We're going to be here for most of the year, or a good part of the next few months anyway. Um, today's guest is a, another repeat uh, repeat guest, a return guest, someone who I met in the 90s, um, and a lot of our film watching experience was, I guess, established in the 90s. Um, I don't really know what else to say. Like that, like it, it, it's my best friend in the world. It's Josh Sacco. Welcome back to the podcast, Josh. Hello, hello. I didn't have an intro planned. I was just like, oh. I was like, um, he's 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 my guy. Here he is. I feel like your intros in the past have been pretty good, anyway. I um, I, it's just it's a shame when I run out of words. Um, but uh, I'm glad to have you back. How are you? I am good. Excellent. I shouldn't have taken a drink when I asked you know, a question that demanded a monosyllabic answer. Um, I need to open the show with a formal apology to you, uh, which is which I think you'll find interesting. Because almost a year ago to this day, the show began. And not long after that, you were on your first episode. You were one of my very first guests. And in your very first list, you listed AI, artificial intelligence, one of your favorite films. And I ripped on you. And I never rip on guests, but I ripped on you. And that's fine, because I like that was early days. But on a really recent episode, which hasn't aired yet, but will air before this one, um, I brought it up again and I ripped on you again. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't normally make fun of movies, but let's be honest, who has AI artificial intelligence in their list? Um, I was talking to Maddie about it, but then on her list for the 90s, she talked about Bicentennial Man. And I was like, well, I don't like that movie either. And then we dug into it deeper. And the reason I don't like Bicentennial Man or the reason I don't go back to them is the same as when I go back to AI, which is I'm terrified about films where robots are lonely for thousands of years at a time. And I was like, oh, so maybe neither of them are bad movies. Maybe I just can't cope with that stuff. So this is my formal apology now that I've learned that I'm just not mature enough to watch those movies. Oh, but, my God. I love that you figured out you were projecting, like, an internal fear that you didn't yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, like what I a terrible why, movie. I oh, wait, uh, it's me? Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. So how do you feel about Transformers then? Transformers? What do you mean? Like, how do you feel about them? When I when I talk about Optimus Prime, do you just like... like? Well, that's obviously got to do with my my fear of robots changing oh. into people. Um, yeah. No, like, I, I've, I've always said these Transformers films aren't really for me. Like, I haven't... I've only watched two of them. The first one um, and, and Bumblebee. And I quite liked Bumblebee. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of the Iron Giant. The first one I didn't love, but also that movie told me in the first three seconds. Like the opening line of that movie is before time and space there was the cube. And right there I was like, oh, so this isn't for me. Like that's that that line doesn't work for me. That's I know but it, it yeah. put me at ease. I'm like, right, I can just relax now because it's not gonna be for me and I'll just get out of it what I can. Yeah. Uh, Transformers is very 90s, so I thought it was more 80s. I thought the cartoon was, a, was an 80s product. Yeah, but like it's sort of like sort of like merged into the 90s. I felt like trans- I mean, Transformers is 80s, but I felt like it was pretty there in the 90s. You know what's a good robot movie? Uh, Chappie. <sighs> That's a really good robot movie. I, yeah. Tears that, 
time. I was gonna say like ball. I just ball every time I watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, especially like when um, you know, spoilers for a almost ten year old movie because Chappie is almost ten years old. Yeah. Um, when his mother is murdered, like that destroys oh. me. It's not even his mum. Like it's yeah. a gangster woman who like steals him, but yeah. like he forms that mother son relationship with her. Um, and that was um, what's that rap group called from South Africa? Like that's yeah. what. what... Um, oh, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, like the guy's name is Ninja, and I think he just plays a character called Ninja as well. Like it's not, and they um, play themselves just like yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah, as robot gangsters. Yeah, um, it's a solid flick, though, directed by the guy who did District Nine. Yeah, um, that movies are awesome. Yeah, that's Chappie. a yeah, oh, such a good movie. Like you're making me want to go and watch Chappie right now. Um, I watched it like I think about two weeks ago. I was like, I'm just gonna watch this because um, I really liked it the first time. Yeah, it's um, it's great. I think like it put a lot of people off in the marketing because it was like a robot that had like a gangster chain around its neck and people were like, what's this? But like in the context of the yeah. film, like, oh, it makes total sense. Like that he's doing it because like he's brought up by these South African gangsters and that's what they do. Um, but I think people just like, oh, the marketing is trying to make him seem really hip. And I was like, no, idiots, just watch the movie. Like, and then you'll get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good flick. I haven't heard anyone talk about Chappie in a long time, but I'm glad you brought it up because that's a solid, yeah. solid movie. I mean, like, because, like, every now and then, like, I'm talking about, like, AI, and then there's, like, iRobot. It's all their movies about, like, morality and human. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every, like, five years, there's, like, a morality robot movie that comes out. I um, I, rob- I remember iRobot came out. I went to see... So we were in a friendship group with a couple of guys. I won't name names because we don't really speak to them anymore. Um, I don't want to throw it, don't want to throw it under the bus or anything. But I went with someone. It might have been with you to go and see Chronicles of Riddick. And I yeah. loved Chronicles of Riddick because yeah, I love Pitch good. Black. Yeah. And then I don't know whether it was you and someone else in that group or the other two people in that group went alone, but someone went and saw iRobot in cinemas. And they were like, I can't believe we went saw Chronicles of Riddick. iRobot's way better. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I didn't know anything about it. Like, I like Pitch Black. So that's why I went to it. And then I saw iRobot when it came out and I liked it, but I was like, yeah, I still think I prefer Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> like, um, but I don't know how iRobot holds up. Like, it's a very CGI heavy film in like 2003. Um, so yeah. I wonder if it, I wonder how it looks now, uh, but I'd be keen to check it out again. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk nineties movies today, Josh, um, you and I met in the nineties. I want to say 93, 94 is probably when we, we met. Um, obviously that's the biggest impact of the nineties to you, but outside of meeting me, um, <laughs> what, do, what do the nineties mean to you? Like, is that a special time for you? Like, what do you think of when you think of the nineties? Uh, just awesome cartoons. Um, Nickelodeon cartoons. I was going to say big Nickelodeon, yeah. like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, goosebumps? Yeah. I know we brought it up last time, but. I was going to say, we're going to say the same thing we say every time we get together, but Nickelodeon <laughs> cartoons, like Goosebumps <laughs> video game, Return to Horrorland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I just feel like there was a lot. 90s was just like, I just remember a lot of plastic. That's what it feels like to me, just a lot of stuff, a lot of material stuff in the 90s. I am. Yeah, like I think of like the rise of video, the console wars, like began yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. Um, PlayStation, Nintendo, Super Smash Brothers. I think was a big part of our, our childhood. So yes, absolutely. Um, I just remember something. Something I, I haven't thought of in years. I would say over a decade. I haven't thought of. But you just you said I remember a lot of plastic. It's going to be funny when I tell you this. But I remember one of the first times I came to your house. You were telling me about your dog 
I think was it Jackson? Was that your yeah. one of your yeah. dogs? You had a dog named Jackson. And like this is my dog Jackson. He sometimes eats balloons and he poops them out. And like <laughs> that was one of the first thing you told to me for the first time I came to your house. And I've never forgotten it, but I just remembered it then. It and sounds like a, it sounds like a dumb fun fact I would tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like this is my mum, this is my dad, this is my brother, this is our house, this is my dog Jackson. Sometimes he eats balloons and poops them out. And then there's balloons in his poop. Um yeah. Oh, animals, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I was looking that up recently because they've started re-releasing very slowly the, the novels as graphic novels, which I'm all about. I've bought the first two. Um, the third one's out there, so I can't find it at the moment. Um, but they're releasing like two a year. I'm like, there are 60 of these books. Like, you've got to pick up the pace. Otherwise, there's going to be no one alive who remembers this series. Like, yeah. you've got to get, get them out quicker. Like, put out like five a year. But I want every two months. Like, it's only 15 bucks. Like, people will snap them up. Um, but I've been enjoying revisiting them. And to me, I'm like, that's a franchise. Like, why haven't we seen that, like, redone again? Yeah, yeah. Like, that'd be, like, that's a great franchise. It's so much fun. Like, especially in the age of today, like, with the, the technology, pardon me, the technology we have. Yeah. You could do a cool Animorphs, like, series or movie. Yeah, definitely. Pokemon is another thing. Oh, Yeah. I've, we were talking about Pokemon before we started recording. I've been playing, like, not, not recently, but over Christmas I was playing a Pokemon game, which is a lot of fun. Shocked how much I got back into it so quickly. I was just like, this is everything I remember loving. Um, also collectibles, the era of collectibles in chip packets. Pogs, Tarzos. Yeah, Oddbods. Cards. Oddbods. But, um, do you remember there were, like, the glow-in-the-dark trading cards, Scratch and Sniff? They were, was that Oddbods? Is that what it yeah, was? Yeah, rub them, the black yeah. spot. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, I remember you used to make your own odd bods. Yeah, I still got I still got them in, a, like, a bag. Just my cards and the odd bods mixed all to one <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Every now and again, I was like, oh, I'll see what, like, young Josh did for a few ideas and see if I can, like, pull it out and, uh, you know, redo it or something. But That was your claim to fame, though, because you were, like, you know, like, within the school, kind of famous for your ability to draw. Like, we've talked about your art a lot on this show. Like, every time you come on, I, I, I pimp it out and talk about it a little bit. But um, I think it was in grade three where people really started to notice. And, like, you were drawing better than, like, the older kids. Like, you would, and, like, you would just draw and draw and draw. And, like, yeah, you made the little odd bod cards and everyone was just like, well, what is this? Like, whenever there was a project where art was involved, like, you were the popular kid. People were like, please, Josh, team up with me. <laughs> but that's it. Any other time. At least you had that. Like there was, there was no like task. Like we need a really scrawny kid who doesn't shut up about the Blues Brothers. Like so, they never picked me. Um, oh, Harry Potter is that another nineties thing? Yeah, Harry Potter tail end of the nineties. I think I started reading Harry Potter in grade five. Yeah, um, yeah. Harry Potter's a big part. I remember, like in primary school, like you know how they do like the reading, the, like in like on Fridays, Friday afternoons, they do like the reading. They read a book mm. like, from the Harry Potter one. Well, I remember, and I think you were in my class at that point where I'd read them and I said to our teacher, like, you should read Harry Potter. And I was like, I can bring the book if you want. And like, I pretty much like peer pressured her into it. I'm like, just do it. Because um, no one else, I don't think anyone else had really read it in our class for the most part at that point. It was kind of, it was very new. Like, that's the thing. Like, people, you know, kind of younger than our generation would understand. Like, Harry Potter wasn't always there. Like, there was a time, you know, before Harry Potter. And, um, just like the Blues Brothers, when I started talking about it at school, people were like, what is this thing? That's weird. And it took a little while for it to catch on. Um, 
and but then like you know obviously i'm not i'm not saying i brought it to the world where like it caught on because i brought it to our school but yeah. like there weren't a lot of people i knew that read it and then like in our classroom it became very popular after that yeah. which was cool yeah. i remember you being pretty heavily into it it's um yeah they're just like it, it was the most it might sound strange but the most mature thing i'd read at that point because i was reading i was reading those animals books those those um goosebump books which are great but they're definitely aimed towards younger readers whereas this was like had proper chapters and like you know it was written in a way that i wasn't used to and it was all in third person and most of the books that i read were in first person you know mm. my name is jake i can't tell you anything i can't tell you my last name or my age otherwise the the yorks will come and get me like that's the content that um that i was reading it's so funny like i was thinking the other day about the movie the faculty which yeah. is also a 90s movie and the only reason I watched the faculty is because someone told me it's kind of like animals because the aliens are parasites that enter through the ear. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I thought of the word yerk, which I hadn't thought of in over a decade. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I've been reading those, uh, those graphic novels and I'd forgotten that word <laughs> thinking about yeah. the faculty reminded me of it. The book that made my nineties was the um, Terry Denton ones and the Andy Griffiths. Just the crazy, movies. just annoying, yeah. just stupid. They're little, so like, good. The corner, like... Yes. <laughs> Which was a huge influence on us. Like, I, I don't know if you remember, but like a, a little bit in primary school, but definitely in high school, we would do that sort of stuff. We'd write in the margins of our books. We'd write little cartoons and comics, often when the other person wasn't aware. Um, I, uh, I mean, obviously there's the, the really immature, vulgar stuff that teenage boys draw in all books. But I remember like it was such a good prank as well. It was so funny. Like when I, because it happened, like, you did it to me. And when I discovered it, like, I was in front of the teacher and the teacher was disgusted, but it was so funny. And that's in our Italian class, in our Italian textbook, you'd just drawn like a poo on a stick and it just said next to it, poo on a stick. And I was like cracking up so much. And the teacher was like, oh my God, that's gross. Who did that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> just like tears streaming down my face. It was a, oh it was a solid prank. Like, yeah. you know, drawing wieners and stuff, like everyone does that, but like, for the listeners, like, you'd understand. Like, it wasn't just like he drew the very stereotypical kind of yogurt, Mr. Whippy Swirl kind of poo. Like, it was a stick and it had been grafted to the stick. It had shape, it had texture, but it looked as though it had, you know, the stick had been put through it. It, it adhered and it was just stuck on there. Like, it was so, like, it was the perfect representation of what that would look like. Um, and it was like just the amount of effort you'd gone into it was so funny. Like, even at 14, I could appreciate. You know, oh the craftsmanship. Our books were destroyed. Just oh, we would like black out the eyes and like make the children satanic. Like every couple of pages, there was a devil tail and horns. Like you just had to demonize everything in those books. Oh um, but that, oh, that was it. But that came from those, those books you're talking about, like the Just Crazy, because mm -hmm. all their margins were full of like silly cartoons and stuff. Yeah. Um, but again, poo on a stick haven't thought of in years, but like that memory just brought me right back to it. Um, we did a lot of video store hunting as well in the 90s. Like we would go to the video store constantly oh, yeah. and go and rent stuff because that was like in the age of sleepovers. Like, you know, you, you'd all get together on the weekend, you'd rent, you know, rent a couple of videos and, um, and kick back and just have, like stay up late. Unlike now where I just go to my Blu-ray case and stay up late and watch movies on my own. Um, and depending on whose house you went to, depend like would kind of determine what kind of films. Like, 
I've been very open. Like I grew up in a very strict household, so we we're getting PG movies, and it was almost always kind of featured Beverly Hills Ninja. Like that movie was on com- rotation. Was great, so good. Uh, I watched it a few years ago. I want to say maybe three years three years ago tops. Still holds up. So funny. Like really, really funny. Um, but then, like, if it was your house or a couple of other friends, there'd be more horror stuff, or like, would be leaning towards horror, um, depending on, on on the person's house. Like, you guys go to something a bit more challenging, a little bit more interesting. Um, but that would have been that what was that? I'm trying to think if that was '90s or later. Maybe not quite in the '90s. '90s we might have still been watching comedies. I remember in it was either the last year of primary school or the first year of high school. We were all at your place, and you had a. VHS recorded cut of South Park, bigger, long, longer, and uncut, and we're like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" Like, because that was a, that was a gift. Like at our age, like no, I wasn't watching South Park at all. I think South Park debuted when we were in grade three or grade four, yeah. and the first time someone talked about it, I didn't realize it was a cartoon or a comedy. Like they just kept saying this guy called Kenny was getting murdered every week, and I was like, "Oh my god, what a horror show!" Like I didn't realize what it was. But when we finally sat down to watch it. We were just like, this is going to be amazing. And we were so bored because at that point we couldn't appreciate the music. Like it was a musical. Yeah. Like every time someone starts singing, one of our friends would be like, fast forward. And you'd be like, all right. And like we just skipped through the song to the next part of the story. Yeah. Um, I want to say that was grade six, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So I remember being in South Park in uh, grade three and stuff. Like it's mm. just like a naughty thing to be into. Um, my parents were always like, you shouldn't watch that. Didn't really didn't really make much of an effort to like ban it. Cause they sort of I remember watching a Christmas special with them and they were like sitting there laughing at Mr. Hangy. Yeah. <laughs> like they were was- like, you shouldn't watch that, but to stop you, we'd have to do something about it. So <laughs> I guess you can watch it. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's um South Park was I, I was it a nice thing? Was it a I mean they're timeless, so it definitely launched in the 90s because we were young when it came out, but I'm just trying to remember that first time I watched the movie. But it was early. Like, I was definitely too young to watch. I remember watching being like, I can't tell my parents I've seen this. Like, they'll, they'll, like, they will rip me a new one. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, like, it was pretty pretty full on. Um, but I remember, yeah, like, everyone, like, you, like I, there were a couple of people in our group, I didn't care. I was like, oh, I'll just watch, I'll watch a song. Like, I, don't, I don't care. Like, but there were a couple of people in our group who just, like, skip the songs. They're boring. Um, so we missed like half the movie because that movie mm. is a flat out musical. Like, yeah. um, I'm trying to think what else we watched. I know we were in a in a group of people who went to go and see Bring It On together in grade six. I think that was our yeah. like after we graduated grade six, we all went as a group to go see a movie, and the girls picked and was Bring It On. And we're like, oh, cheerleading movie, but Bring It On is actually a pretty good movie, so it worked out all right. Yeah. Pokemon, uh, I'm pretty sure we went and saw Pokemon. We went and saw Pokemon 2000. Um, Daniel Allen's birthday party. So was that 90, 90s or 2000s? That's definitely nineties. Yeah, we were in primary school, mm. um, and uh, Daniel Allen is now uh, a member of council for Brimbank. Oh. Um, yeah, or well, he was the last time I checked in. That was a few years ago, um, and his sister stole my jumper. Um, so <laughs> don't hold it against him, you know, vo- voters. Like I'm not trying to talk him down. Like she was looking great too, and she didn't go out of her way to steal it. I forgot it at their house. And then one day I saw her wearing it and I was like, oh, that's weird. Like no one thought to offer it back. Um, yeah, like there's like, there's, that's definitely a Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, moment there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just just you. someone else wearing your jumper, it just throw you off. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I was looking at and I remember I was staring at her, she was like, what? I'm like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. 
Uh, that's, that's, just, that's just strange. And then, like, I was I was too young to have empathy, so I just went up to like to Daniel Allen, like the next day. I'm like, hey, I'm like, did I, I remember, do you remember that your party? And I asked you if I left my jumper at your house. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw your sister wearing it. So he goes, oh, he goes, that's weird. I'll I'll, I'll get it back for you. Like that's fine. So I don't think like he was maliciously involved in abducting my jumper. I think that like <laughs> it was left there. His parents were probably like, is this one of ours? Probably. Okay, let's just wash it. And then like, <laughs> you know, it just didn't click. Um, but that's so funny. Yeah. Man, the nineties. What a crazy, crazy time. Mm. Um, yeah. So me and my memories with you, I guess, uh, uh, you know, connect with high, like primary school, like from the nineties. Like that was you know, where we did everything, that's where everything rolled, like, it's not even, like, our memories aren't even necessarily movie-centric in the 90s, because we were kids, like, yeah. we're playing Foursquare every lunch, you know, every lunchtime, and... Watching TV in the morning, that's... Cheese TV, with, uh, was it Ryan and Jade? Was that the... Yeah, yeah. Those guys? Yeah. No, watching Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z, and yeah, Samurai Pizza Cats, yeah. and Biker Mice from Mars, I'm trying to, like, think of all the cartoons from when we were in the 90s, Street Sharks, um, I, I love Street Sharks. Yeah. That was that show was awesome, as the theme song suggested. <laughs> yeah, 90s were great for like just everything. I mean, we're biased, obviously, but I just like it. Just, it just feels like there's everything in the 90s. Like it's it's just so like, it's just so everything different. across the board. You could like there could be comedies like sci-fi, horror, you know. Um, just everything of everything like it's just like you know you go to the movies you'd have like a selection of like various movies like tv shows even cartoons would just be like you know and like they weren't weren't as censored like you could have like you know monsters or talking babies saying crude things or like you know. Yeah, the 90s definitely feel like an edgier time. Like the 80s kind of opened up the idea of excess and just kind of like the, they kind of opened up the gates a little bit with like, hey, we're going to just, we're going to make some, we'll start making weird stuff. Like the 80s was really like when weird became acceptable, but the 90s, it's like now that people are accepting weird, let's make it really adult and like inappropriate. Let's create Ren and Stimpy. Let's create Rocco's Modern Life. Let's yeah. come up with our real monsters. Um, I, I never, I was never allowed to watch Ren. Like that's how you know Ren and Stimpy was like. Well, actually, I'm not a good example because I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. But even The Simpsons, I would say, is like you know, it was it was edgy, like it was more dangerous, it was more adult than you know, cartoons that come beforehand. Yeah. Um, but but Simpsons was different for its time. I mean, I know it started in the '80s, but like, I mean, it, it, it's run us through the '90s. Oh yeah, like the first season was at the end of '89, and then it all you know, yeah. moved on into the '90s. Yeah, like even though technically, you know, if you're in a trivia you know trivia night they'd be like no it's 80s but like there's no denying that like all of its humor and um and stories are influenced by that 90s culture yeah Um, but the idea of like an adult cartoon i'm pretty sure like you know the simpsons was might have been up there as one of the the first mainstream ones i reckon oh yeah yeah definitely it probably it may very well have been like i'm trying to think of any cart like well i mean i guess like People don't think about it, but Peanuts, I would say, is very much an adult cartoon. Like, people don't think of it as an adult cartoon because it's rated G and it's all about kids. But, like, look at the kids in that. Like, like look at the kids in that show. Like, Charlie Brown has depression and Linus has, like, uh, separation anxiety and Lucy is, like, 
a bully. And if you look at it, I'm like, what kid is enjoying this cartoon? Like, it's really sad. It's a very dry cartoon, isn't it? Yeah, I watched the um, a couple of the old Peanuts movies last year. I was like, boy, these are sad. Like, what kid's enjoying this? Um, like, it's definitely made more for a dog. Dog carries it, though, doesn't it? He's not in it that much. Like, he's kind of in interludes, but it's very much about, like, Charlie Brown. Charlie mm. Brown, like, is, you know... There's a reason why his name has become like a, a stereotype. Like he's he's a real sad sack. Um, yeah. But yeah, but Simpsons is probably the big carrier. And then like it's funny to think that South Park was only a few years later. Like you think that like when we were kids, I'm like, well, Simpsons has been around forever, and South Park's new. But like they're only like six years apart. Yeah, that's nothing. Uh, yeah. mm. Like when you compare it to something like Family Guy, which I think was although Family Guy I think was '99. Yeah, it was it definitely went through the 2000s. I'm not, but it hit the end of the 90s, yeah. Like, yeah, like a, a modern version would be like Bob's Burgers, but even Bob's Burgers has been on the air for like 16 years or something now. Like, it's been around for so long. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Um, I haven't watched the new season yet. I haven't watched the previous season's finale either, um, but I love that cartoon so much. Yeah, I think we binge-watched it like ages ago, so like all the episodes just merged into, into one still holds up to me like there's no like that show is on the most consistent show like not just cartoons but shows on the air like bob's burgers never disappoints me yeah um, the humans just like left field so like you can just have a show almost about nothing and the characters would just carry it most of the time and i relate to bob like on so many levels like i just like i'm just like that and like i say i said to this to tina like a little while ago i'm like I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but we are definitely Bob and Linda. Like, and if you don't yes. think you're Linda, you're way more like Linda than yes. you realize. Like, yes, yes. Uh, I think so. We're going to have to get um, Zoe some bunny ears, I think. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, when she was born, that I, I was looking for them. Uh, <laughs> they make them, and they're, like, expensive. Like, was, legit ones? Like, Bob's Burgers branded, like, oh, Louise right. ears, like, 60 bucks. I was okay. like, that's a lot for a joke. Like it's a, like you know, I'm a fan of a punchline, and I'm dedicated to a punchline. But that's a lot for a joke. Like she might not even wear them. Um, although now she probably would. So maybe I've got to look into it. See if there's any discounted Louise bunny ears. Even uh, if it's like for Halloween, if you can like do a Halloween year, you can dress up as Bob and just stick like the bunny ears on her for her first Halloween or something. That um, that kid man, that kid makes me laugh. She's so funny. Um, I know that like I'm biased because I'm, I'm her dad, but some of the stuff she comes up with like is just. Um, she's obsessed with right now music videos. Like she, um, she's always been interested in music videos because, like, early on when she was younger, I would show her YouTube clips. I'd show her Mulan and I'd show her Hercules and like just to get her an interest in music. And I was like, if I show you the the good strong princesses now, like you won't. No, I'm not saying you can't like the other ones as well, but I just want to show you some like good positive strong characters. Like Mulan's a really good character and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but now she's into mu- like really into like pop music, and um, she. I don't know how familiar you are with the artist Lizzo. I only heard about her recently, but like apparently she's huge. And there's a song called About Damn Time, which Zoe is obsessed with. Like she, like she knows it almost word for word, which is rough because there's some pretty strong language in that song. Um, but she, um, I bust, I, I busted the other day, like singing the chorus just to herself. She's like, it's about damn time. And I'm like, it's about damn time for what, kid? Um, but she, she cracks me up. Nice. Uh, we went on a bit of a tangent as we're you know prone to do on this show but like talking about the 90s with you is going to be so much more um personal than with everyone else like you're the only person on this on this show that i'm going to speak to with the exception of my family who i knew in the 90s really so all of our memories are tied beyond movies themselves yeah um yeah like everyone else i think i met like 
in the late 2000s. Um, I was talking to you before, like I've been working on a project, which I won't talk about on the show yet. This is only the third episode I've re referenced the project and I still haven't announced it. Um, but I was reminiscing on our video easy days and I thought about Tanya, like she would be a great guest. Yeah. Um, if I can, like we've, we've started reconnecting a little bit, but if she would cut to come on, like gee, what a good guest she would be. Um, and she has so many good stories of working video easy that I've forgotten um, yeah. because she was the normal, she was the normal one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't I can't remember anything. I know there's some funny I mean I can't even remember my bad story, which I've already told. But yeah. um, I I know there's a lot, a lot of good stories, but I can't remember them. Else. All the well, all the best stories for the most part are just Levent stories. What do you scare yourself for? Um, yeah. I um, I was telling Tina the other day um, about when Panic of the because Panic of the Disco, I don't know if you heard the band Panic of the Disco, they just yeah. they broke up, but really it was just one guy anyway. He was just like, oh, I'm not doing it anymore. And I was like, oh, like, I remember when they first came out because, like, they were the most divisive band. Like, real emo kids didn't like them because they were, like, a poser emo band. And everyone else who didn't like emo music didn't like them anyway because they didn't like emo music. But I remember I didn't mind them. I thought they were kind of fun, pop-punky stuff. And we would go into Video Easy every Saturday, you and I and Tanya, and we'd play CDs. Like, you and I would play metal records and... Um, kind of like heavier rock and then she would try to get us into alt indie rock which never worked um i, I actually told her the other day when i was messaging i'm like i'm still not into we are scientists or kings of leon i'm sorry it just didn't work um but i remember one time levent came in because he wouldn't even work on saturdays he would just come in and visit like everyone who worked at video easy would come in and visit on a saturday like at some point like besnick would show up tap the counter a bunch go like <laughs> grab some movies mark would come in um Drop some philosophy and then just leave yeah um, him and um, Tanya would uh, debate who is like a better, like, like this is going to sound really racy, but like a better race, Albanians or Bosnians, because I think he was Albanian and she was Bosnian. It could be the other way around, but like, that was a huge point of contention between them. Um, and, and Mark uh, would bring, sorry, Mark would bring in his soccer ball as well. He'd always have a sports ball. It was a basketball or a soccer ball. He's always been doing sport. Um, I really liked Mark. I was thinking about it because I think we had a bit of a falling out towards him. I can't remember why. Yeah. Um, but I was like, man, like I wish we had him because I really liked him. I thought it was really funny. He was really enthusiastic. He loved working at the video store. Always got um, a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, like the people who worked, they would come in on a Saturday and just like, like they would bring girls. Like, do you remember there was like always like 17 year old girls, like, which sounds weird, but we were 17 at the time. So it was okay. But like, they would like bring, like, like just bring girls, just look at videos because like that was a cool job. So they're like, oh, like you look at the video store. So like, they all come in. And yeah, eventually Levent would come in and like, uh, what's you yourself for? But he came in and is like, I think I was, I think I was playing Panic at the Disco because Tanya liked them. I think you'd gone out for for lunch or whatever. And it's like, oh, he goes, is this the goddamn Doss song? And I was like, oh yeah, I write sins on tragedies. Like yeah, closing the goddamn door. He goes, next time I'm working with you, bring the CD. I want to listen to the goddamn Doss song. And every time we work together. He'd be like, God damn door. But I'm like, do you want to listen to the other songs? He's like, no, just the goddamn door song. <laughs> I swear you could write a sitcom on our experience. It's um, a really long story with a punchline that no one appreciates except for you and me, but I love that story so much. That place, it, it just it just feels like you're you're living in a show. It's it was so much fun. Like I got really sad thinking about it because I'm like, like there'll never be a job like that again. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't mean for us. I mean for anyone. Like the video store is dead. Like no one's gonna. There's no other job where you got paid poorly. Like we got paid like eight nine bucks an hour, but all you did was like mess around with your friends, like sit around, eat like snacks, 
get like fast food, watch movies, play music, like, yeah. and no one cared. It was fine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the customers cared. Like we weren't the best employees. Like I remember how I had to yank a Rage Against the Machine song off because it still wouldn't stop swearing after two minutes. And I was like, at some point, someone's not going to be happy about this. <laughs> um, but man, it was such a good time. Um, I was yeah, I think about that a lot. But yeah, Levent, like Levent and, and Besnik in particular were just funny, funny characters. Oh, that's tough. Besnik used to say that he goes, Oh, that movie's tough. You gotta watch it, it's tough. Yeah. Um, but he liked Batman as well. I remember he was like he was coming in, like he was talking, like he was telling me how excited he was um for the Dark Knight. And then when he finally No, Batman begins. Mm-hmm. And then like every time I saw him, he was like, Hey James, does it come in black? Like, because that was a line out of Batman Begins. <laughs> like, he would just say it to me all the time. Um, he could say anything, and the delivery would just be hilarious. Yeah, like, those guys were great. Like, I loved that that job so much. Yeah. Um, and it was a rough neighbourhood. And, like, you, Tanya, and I were 17 years old. Like, we were older than her. She was the youngest by far. I think she was 15 and we were 17. Um and we were closing up on a Saturday night, like 11 o'clock, like no adults, like a middle of a rough neighborhood. Like, yeah, let's just yeah. run a video store and hopefully no one like comes and attacks us. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't plan for this to be a, a flashback to the good old days episode. Yeah. Um, Cause th- that didn't happen in the nineties. Like it's the wrong decade, but oh man, that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested. I, I'm always, look, I'm always interested when anyone brings a list, but I'm really interested to see what your list is because your lists have always been unexpected to me. Yeah. I never know what to expect from you. Like you, I think I can guarantee there's always going to be one Tim Burton movie. In well, yeah, I was going to say, there's probably a Tim Burton movie on here. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I, I really don't know. Like, because you also have, like, we have such vastly different tastes. Like, I always thought we had the same taste. And we do have the same taste, but then there's stuff that I would watch that you would never watch and stuff that you would watch that I'd be, like, I probably have seen, but I'm like, what? <laughs> That's, I mean, you did to me on the very first episode. I'm like, AI, like, wow, okay. Like, yeah. uh, I apologize for that. So, you know, I've done my my due diligence there. Well, um, I think it's good. Because I, I think it's good because every time I tell you that I don't like a movie, you will always defend a movie. And I've never heard you not defend a movie because I'll, I'll be was, like yeah I'll hire I'll like I'll hold a movie up to like a sort of standard like has to have good story you know actors have to be great you know like you know just everything that makes a good movie and I'll be like no I didn't like it for this reason and you'll be like well I think it's good and then AI is the first time I've heard you trash a movie ever no I mean that's not entirely I mean look <laughs> like, it's not entirely true I used to be very very snobby especially like in my 20s like i didn't want to like say i didn't want to call the show i was a mid-20s film snob because like that doesn't sound very good um i was a little bit snobby in my teen years and definitely my 20s i was like there was a point in my 20s where like 25 percent i only liked about 25 percent of the movies that i watched i'm like that's do i even like movies if i hate a quarter if i only like a quarter of all movies i watch so i had to really change my outlook um yeah. and now just a point at a point where i'm like there's so much more important stuff out there than like like how good a movie is so i always will give a movie a chance and like i know that no one goes out of their way to make a bad movie so I'm always trying to find something redeeming in it yeah, yeah. um but there are movies i don't like i just tend not to talk about the movies i don't like or like i got pretty i the last episode that i recorded with maddie and this is going to be released out of order so it might not be the last episode for the listeners but she, we were talking about jurassic park dominion and i struggled to like i had didn't have a lot of nice things to say about it. like i didn't think it was a bad film but i was just like ah like 
<laughs> like, I'll, I mean, I'll repeat it. Like, I'll say what I said the other night, where I was like, I was really excited for it because I'm like, dinosaurs are finally in the world. This is going to be great. Oh, no, we're just going to go back to another island. Like, it's six movies. We're never going to not be on an island. We're just going to go back to another island again. And we've got... So we've got, I was just going to say, just, like, just the, the remakes have sort of hit their, uh, their, their end, their stretch. Um, I, I liked the first Jurassic World quite a bit. I really enjoyed it. And the second one, I liked... I liked it, but they're two separate movies. Like, I liked the first part quite a bit. I liked the second part quite a bit, but they didn't really kind of meld for me. Like, you could have done them, yeah, you could have, I don't know, like, how you would have fixed it. But um, And Dominion, I, I liked enough, but I just was like, oh, this is your final chapter, and you you had the chance to do something different, so we're going to, I know we're going back to the island, okay. Um, and then the other thing was, like, we're bringing all the actors, everyone's back, Sam Neill, Jeff Goblin, Laura Dern, Everyone you love from the original ones. Plus, we've got Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. So they're definitely going to meet in the last 20 minutes of the movie. It's like, what? Ah, like Avengers this. Bring them together. Like, make them, like, fight and then make them a team early on. And then, like, but yeah. anyway. But, I, I, again, I didn't dislike it. I just um, yeah, I just don't get mean about movies very much. Um, yeah. I think AI was just so perplexing. I was just, like, I, yeah. I was so caught off guard by it. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't be too hard on creatives because, like, you know, there's there's always a set of circumstances that you never see, you know, budget, you know, behind the scenes, you know, drama and all that sort of stuff. That's the thing. And that's what the whole approach of this show has been. Like, if every movie is someone's favourite movie, then they can't be any bad movies. They might not be for me, but it doesn't make them bad. They're just not to my taste. Yeah. Um, point in fact, you recommended to me, I think it was late last year, you said check out Secrets of Dumbledore. Like, they're finally on track. Like, it's the best of the Fantastic Beast movies. Um, and Tina and I did watch it. Like, I bought it on Blu-ray, and I was like, you know, we're going to sit down and watch it, and it's going to be great. And it is the best of the three, but I don't know how – I still don't know how I feel about it. Like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like, it's I, – I mean, like, you were going to see it anyway, but it is the best of the three. But it's because J.K. Rowling had uh, uh, um, – a writer help on the on the story as well, which is crazy. Like, yeah, like all the Dumbledore stuff's really good, and all the Grindelwald stuff's really good, and like Mads Mikkelsen is a, you know, yeah. I like I like Johnny Depp. Like, take the politics out of it, and like whatever's going on in his personal life. Like, I'm not really interested in that. But like, I, I didn't mind him as Grindelwald, but Mads Mikkelsen, like in his first scene, like, oh yeah, this is a way better choice. Like, he fits the the bill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my problem with that movie is the Fantastic Beasts of it all. Like, there's a scene. Like, Tina and I would pause it, like, every 15 minutes and I have to, like, break down what we've just watched. So it's a yeah. two-and-a-half-hour film that took us four hours to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and towards the end, I paused and I said, you know that whole scene when Newt goes and saves his brother? Spoilers for a movie, if you haven't seen it. And Tina's like, yeah, I'm like, unless his brother, like, has some really important information we haven't been told yet in the third act... I think that whole scene was just to fit a few more fantastic beasts in this movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was like, because there's no point to that scene otherwise. Yeah. Like, and Tino's like, oh, yeah, I figured that's what it was. I'm like, oh, yeah. like this movie could have been way shorter. Like, they could just cut, like, just drop the fantastic beast part. Like, no one cares. Like, no one cares about the fantastic beast at this point. Just drop it. Like, yeah. The amount of times I sit there just ranting to Beck about how, like, disconnected all the characters are in that universe. Like, you've got, like, the character, the story is about Newt. But the story is not. Is it? Because it's not about. It's not about, Newt. Newt. It's not about Newt, but Newt's in it, and nothing correlates between him having knowledge about bees and the actual plots, and they stick them in as side 
things, and like it's just it's just a mess. Like well, that's- someone said that they should have focused on the Deathly Hallows as a storyline and just followed Dumbledore. Which well, we did a we did a whole movie on the Deathly. We did two movies on the Deathly Hallows, which I need well, anymore. Just Dumbledore and Grindelwald. We should have just focus on that, which is what we're doing with extra characters. I am. Um, I my problem with it, and I don't think it's a bad movie. Like, there's definitely an audience for it, and it, I did like a lot of parts of it. Um, I got a little bit confused um, because their whole point was we need to keep Grindelwald confused. So therefore the movie was confusing. And I think that what happened was they saw the movie and they're like, let's just reshoot a line where someone says Grindelwald needs to be confused. So that way we can justify that everyone's going to be confused by this movie. Yeah. But yeah. my problem, my biggest problem with it was no Porpentina. Like she was your main character for the first two films she made a comment about J.K. Rowling apparently, and so her scenes were reduced. But oh. you've just lost your—you've lost your main character. Like she's your driving force. Like she's more interesting than than Newt. Um, oh no! I'm sorry. I'm gonna disagree. I thought she was like boring. I thought she's she's Newt's only motivation in the movies. Other than that, he wasn't—he didn't have drive for anything. It's only well, Dumbledore rec- recruiting him that makes him a useful tool. In the story. Well, maybe maybe she's not the most interesting, but at least she was our connection. Like she made more sense than Newt, I suppose. Like, yeah, yeah. Newt, Newt, I mean, like she makes more sense because she's connected to the events that are happening in the world, mm. and that brings Newt along because he's interested in her, which is mm. which is a terrible like story arc for a character just to follow. I mean, especially in this world, of all the things you could do, yeah, like, his his goal is a love interest, um, a classic love interest, mind you. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, she does make sense in the world more so, but then as as pertaining to the story, she doesn't really have anything to do. But my pro- I guess my problem was that like she was just removed from the film and there was no explanation. So I was like, oh, are we done with that character? My second problem, so it's all about the three characters who were shown that we introduced to in the first film. Second problem is Jacob. Like a muggle's just your hero now. Like he's, I mean Yes. Why is I mean, he there? I don't he's understand. Like, does his wand work or not? Do they just give him a fake one? I wand? can't figure it out. And then my last problem is Queenie. Queenie to me was the standout of that first film. Yes. Like she was like Fantastic Beasts, like although flawed, I was like, this is a mature Harry Potter story. Like you've got um it's all about the adults, so you can get away with it more. Like um you can have Newt being neurotic, you can have Jacob being flirty, you can have Queenie, who's kind of like a sex pot. Like she's kind of like looking for like attractive men and she doesn't mind dating muggles because even though it's dangerous or like frowned upon so i'm like oh she's so interesting like she's so layered and then in the third movie i'm like oh so when you turn evil you become boring because like she doesn't look happy ever like she's all washed out and she's like okay i'll go do that like it's convincing when she goes to the side because she's already i feel like she's a character that represents like freedom in that sort of time period Mm. where she's like she's breaking conventions all over the place for that time and then she goes to the dark side because she believes in a different thing and instead of becoming like more loose, she becomes more wound up and like, like just becomes yeah, like you said, less of a character. Conforms more to the surroundings. Where she, you'd think that if she went to the dark side, she'd be what she stands for would be less you know, conforming, which is what they want. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And um, there was a moment very early on where like the bow truckle comes out and I was like, oh, here we go. Like everyone's <laughs> favorite stick is back. Like. <laughs> This is a, I, I, I this is a movie that. franchise where everyone has a wand, the most interesting stick you can have. We don't need a talking stick. <laughs> well, I, I did like like I said, the third movie is the most coherent and one the where, where the new is the most useful. 
Um, yeah. But like you said, they sort of create the problems in order to make them useful. Yeah. Well, now that I've, so obviously I've been quite negative. I just was trying to prove a point that I can be negative about films, but I will still say this. There's a lot in that movie I do like. Yeah, all the Dumbledore, all the Dumbledore stuff's great. Um, I love they go into his past more. That's something that was really missing from the Harry Potter films. Like in the Deathly Hallows, there's all this stuff about Dumbledore that isn't quite covered in the film. So I loved all that. Um, I loved how they explained the Ezra Miller character because I remember at the end of the second one, I was like, so what? He's just Dumbledore's other brother he didn't know about. And then I was like, no, he's his nephew. I'm like, oh, yeah. I actually quite like that. I like that Dumbledore's brother had a secret son. Yeah, I wish you had told me that at the end of the second film and not waited because I was angry for a long time about that. It, so. The way they did it, it just seemed like they were just like throwing things at, at, the, at the screen to keep you interested. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so there's, there is stuff I do like in it. Um, it was just, yeah, like it's just, it's, just, it's just a weird franchise. Like the franchise makes less and less sense to me as it moves on. But again, like, I'm still enjoying bits and pieces of each movie I watch, and there's definitely an audience, a hardcore audience for it, um, even if I'm not part of it. So not a terrible flick, but definitely a perplexing one for me. I mean, I like it. I think I get frustrated because I was like, I see the potential, and you're like, well, what do you, like, you're like, you could have done this and this and this and this. Mm. It's just sort of frustrating to see, especially when they nailed the first, like, seven movies, you know, so effortlessly. I just want to see wizards in a different setting. Like, I don't need to see them, like, on cobblestone streets going into business meetings and stuff like that. Like, throw them in space. Throw them in the Wild West. Throw them somewhere we haven't seen them before. <laughs> like, Yeah. Show me, like, the wizard. Like, I feel like, and we will talk about your list, I promise, but I'm just on a, on a rant now. I feel, feel like... like the sentences like the, what was the 90s show? Is it the Harry Potter... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the problem with this franchise, the biggest problem I have, I, I think, is that they've said it in the past, but only like 50 years in the past. So it's not that different. Like, show me wizards in like Camelot. Like, show me like the bird, like when magic is new and scary. Like, because this version of the wizards, we've seen, we've basically seen this version before. Um, so that's why, I, that's why I'm like, look, it's fine, but I've seen, you know, yeah, I thought we were going to get New York, like American wizards. That's what I thought, but they're just traveling all over the place. And we did. We got two of them, and they become less interesting over time. And one of them got pretty much erased from this latest film. They're like, ah, no American wizards. Back to British. Well, give me a proper European one that's not like in England or something. Give me something like that just dives further into the world. You know, expands, which is what they've done, but they've stayed pretty close. So like, yeah, like in a world of infinite possibilities where you can go as far from Hogwarts as possible, like we've gone to Hogwarts twice, like just... The, the video game is doing a better job. They've jumped back to like the 1800s. So oh, that's cool. That's what um, I mean. Like show me wizards during Prohibition. Show me wizards like, I don't know, just anywhere we haven't seen them before. And to be honest, there's a lot of lot of time we haven't seen wizards. So you, show me wizards like with Jesus. Like I don't care, like just something different. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I just I think they wanted to tell one story, but then they chucked Newton, and we just got a lot of stories. I just had a really, I was like, oh my god, this would be amazing, but it's going to offend a lot of Catholics out there. And that's what if Pontius Pilate and like all the people who overthrew Jesus were under like, um, what's the what's the spell where you can make people do things? Um, not the Cruciatus curse. There's the, un- there's the unforgivable curses. Like, yeah. where they, like, possess people? Like, what if that's what it was? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> oh, I'm going to get death threats now. But like that would be, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm being ridiculous, but at the same time, I'm like, it's ridiculous that we have 14 of these movies or something and they're all the same, like go somewhere different. Um, I think and I would, like Harry Potter. I'm a Harry Potter fan. I think you wouldn't care if the story was good. Yeah. Probably. You're probably, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I just think I, I was so spoiled with those first eight. You're not exactly asking for like Hulk in like like Egyptian times. You're just like, give me more good movies. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like just the story. Not even good. I don't care about a good movie. Like, just make it interesting or coherent or show me something I haven't seen before. Well, that's a nice segue to the 90s because I think, I feel like with the 90s, movies in the 90s, they were just like fun, interesting, didn't, didn't uh, throw politics at you as much, weren't trying to preach to you or make it in a way. Um, 90s movies were just about entertainment, I feel, compared to the movies now. There's definitely a few. Like, there's definitely like Spike Lee, obviously, big political filmmaker, um, Oliver Stone throws a lot of message in there. Kevin Smith did with a couple of his as well. Yeah, but um, it's, it's different. It, it's different between... But it's not beating you on the head. Yeah, it's difference between using it as entertainment and, you know, telling telling the audience or guilt-tripping the audience or, you know. I just no. feel like the, the, the 90s were like, you know, just like, let's have a fun ride sort of thing. I agree. Um, I'm glad you brought us back on track because I was definitely losing my mind. Pretty good um, segue, right? That was great. Um, we should dive into it. You got a list of five. Any honourable mentions? Oh, I've got plenty. Too much. Like Casper is one of the honourable mentions. Which one? Casper. Yeah, Casper. We were talking about that um, in a re- previous episode. I think um, my sister brought up Casper, uh, which is a really dark film, like if you think yeah. about it, like um, dark and sad. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into your list. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you've got because uh, – yeah. I have no idea where it's going to go, but I've, I've got a couple of I've got a couple of ideas. I got a couple of uh, there's a Tim Burton film in particular that I'm expecting to show up, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, um, so I, it was really hard. There was a ton of movies. Like '90s were just like crazy for like a lot of good different movies. I picked the ones that I remember being like enjoyable to me. So they're not necessarily good movies or profound. Um, oh, that's fine. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, um, but like these just like. That some of them are just like that, like they're just whatever movies, like mm-hmm. not not amazing. But I think that sort of like sort of tells you that that's like in the nineties. So you, you have different tastes, you know, every every decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first one is is Waterworld. I knew this was going to be on your list. I knew How it was going to be on your list because until the other night, you were the only person I I know who's seen that movie. Oh. Um, I was talking to Maddie the other night and she said it was very close to being on her list because she's a big Kevin Costner fan yeah. and it made me think of you I'm like oh Josh loved that film like I remember when you would bring it up to me constantly like th- like throughout you brought it up to me so many times and um, you're like it's not bad people say it's a bad movie but it's not like they just haven't given it a chance um, tell me all about Waterworld I knew it was going to be on your list oh, I knew it was going to be here <laughs> that's good that's good um, you are my best friend <laughs> <laughs> and we'll pause for the Heartfelt moment there. Everyone will go, oh, and we'll continue. <laughs> no, um, so Kevin Costner plays like this, uh, I guess, anti-hero. Okay. Uh, uh, comes across, like, gets stuck in a sort of situation where he's stuck with this uh, this girl who has a map on her back. Oh, I should start with the setting, right? So the world is underwater. 
So there's nothing yep. but water everywhere, thus Waterworld. I should explain that, even though it's called Waterworld. Is it kind of like Mad Max, but in the ocean? Yes. So I was oh reading. God, that's that amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a tough description because they were trying to rip off the, the people who made it wanted to rip off Mad Max. So they were trying to come up with the ideas. So they're like, let's do Mad Max in the ocean. That's literally like. Oh, it. that's awesome. I wish I had known that like 20 years ago. I would have watched it way sooner. I still haven't watched it. So now you're second person this week to talk to me about Waterworld. It's going on the list. Yeah. And basically, so this guy's just like, he gets stuck in this, sort of, he's an anti hero. So he gets stuck in a situation where he ends up having to take care of this girl that everyone wants. Because apparently she has a, a map tattooed on her back that has the directions to dry land. So mm-hmm. you have like the bad faction called the Smokers. And <laughs> that's a great, you know why they call such the, a 90s name. Yeah. Do you know why they call the Smokers? Is it because they smoke? Yes. Oh my God. They just that's, have lots of cigarettes and they just smoke all the time. That's brilliant. <laughs> and the actors are really like, you know, makeshift, Mad Maxi and all that. Um, really cool. Um, and yeah, so he gets stuck with these the, this uh, girl and like this other woman, and he's sort of just trying to like protect them at the same time, like they're trying to figure out where it is. And it's like that's pretty much the plot. <laughs> and I, I don't I I think his story is that he learns to care. I'm pretty sure that's that's sort of like it sort of seems the vibe because he's like an anti-hero and he cares about himself, sort of learns to care. Well, and, I'm glad he learned he learned a lesson. That's important. Yeah, so that's pretty much the gist. It's just like this fun sort of apocalyptic ride, you know, on the water and like, yeah, there's cool action scenes, you know, with weird makeshift jet skis and um, cities, you know, built on water. Um, but I'm pretty sure the more interesting story is like behind the scenes and how it was like, you know, the most expensive flop of all time. Um that's back then. I bet you there's like bigger flops now. Like absolutely. Yeah, I made this money back and become a cult hit. Um, but yeah, like apparently some of the the, the, the sets like sunk as well. <laughs> well. That's no good. You know Jack Black's in the movie as well. Um, Is he really? Yeah, he plays like a like a pilot, a smoker pilot. That's awesome. My um, the first appearance of Jack Black I can think of is in, um, I still know what we did last summer. Like where he plays like a cabana boy or whatever, where he just like he's just like high and like just playing in the pool. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like it's 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 just like a. I mean, like Mad Max is a pretty simple storyline. This is pretty much the same thing. It's pretty much your antihero gets stuck in a situation and he helps them out, and that's sort of like you know the ending. It's where like they get these this girl to like dry land and the, the cool twist this sort of thing is like there's so sort of like mutants so like uh, humans have like evolved and there's a few of them so they like they're like sort of freaks and this like anti-hero guy has the ability to like breathe on the water for a really long time i was gonna say i bet you someone has gills or something like i hope there's a British person <laughs> yeah so like kevin costner's character has gills and like he has like this little like jar of like dirt and everyone's just like where'd you get that from <laughs> I'm not selling it. I'm terrible at selling. Selling. I have. Uh, I love that that performance. Like yeah. I, I hope to see you in Waterworld. <laughs> to say, yeah. Where'd you get that from? Yeah. I mean, the concept is really cool. It, it's a very believable idea these days. You know, the ice caps melting. You know. You know I thought you said these films weren't political. I'm, I mean, I'm being... oh, you baited me so bad then. <laughs> You got to, like you can't say this because this is an audio podcast, but just like stopped, just like oh no, <laughs> Damn it, you got me. 
I think I think for the sake of entertainment, it's 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 showing in an entertaining way, not telling, which is ridiculous. Mm. Um, and Dry Land turns out to be on Mount Everest, so that's so cool. Oh, cool! Yeah. So that's how high the water's gone. Like it's like wow, <laughs> that's crazy. I just think I think I'm surprised no one's tried to remake it. Um, I just think it's it's a cool concept. Um, Mm. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see like someone take another shot at it. Like <laughs> there were the studios like, wait, you want to remake the biggest flop of the nineties? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I've got a, I've got a way to tell it in an interesting way. Um, you could totally do it today and you could do it like from a um, budgetary budgeting point of view, you could do it way more manageable. Like you wouldn't have to build all that stuff. You could use green screen and stuff like that to help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it's really cool. Cool idea. You know, that they could have done more with it. You know, they had problems. It was expensive. Like, yeah. I am, oh, I'm so glad it was on your list. Similar because I'm like, I, today yeah. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about the show. I'm like, I, I bet you Josh is going to bring out Waterworld. I hope he does. Yeah. I hope I know him well enough that that's, that makes his 90s list. That's, that's crazy good. Yeah. Uh, you'll probably guess the next one then. Um, Edward Scissorhands. Not what I was expecting. Is this your only Tim Burton film? This is my only Tim Burton film. Okay, I, th- I thought you were going to go Sleepy Hollow. That's what I thought you were going to Oh, go. no, no. I, I like Sleepy Hollow, but I don't think I've watched it enough times. I really like Edward Scissorhands. Like, I feel like I, Tim Burton's done a number of good movies, like, in, in towards that side of, like, of his movie-making career. He's but, been pretty consistent. Like, I, I'm, I'm a known, especially when I was younger, again, like, when I was more snobby, I was a known Tim Burton basher, like... I remember at one point I was like, the guy when his original stuff is great, but he shouldn't remake. He shouldn't make other properties. Like that's what I said at one point. Um, but um, no, I think he's been pretty consistent. Definitely his earlier work is probably more interesting. Um, but I think his more recent stuff has been pretty good as well. There's some good stuff in there. But yeah, for me, there's uh, only like three amazing films. Like I like all his movies, but for me, there's three amazing films. That's Nightmare, um, Beetlejuice, and uh, Scissorhands. Even Nightmare good. Before Christmas, which he didn't direct. I mean, but he he, he created said, it. He created it, so yeah. I, I think he gets props for like. Yeah, sure. No, no, I know. I just was. So you, so you, can you say them again? So it's Nightmare Before Christmas, Edward Scissorhands, and Beetlejuice. Yeah. Did I tell you that I finally watched Beetlejuice? Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell me what you think. If, I if, really, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I really enjoyed it. Beetlejuice is the most annoying character in the film. Um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Tina came home while I was watching. She goes, what are you watching? I'm like, Beetlejuice. And she's like, oh, you, I was, she goes, you've never seen this before? I'm like, no, it's my first time watching it. But every, like when we talked about the 80s films, like everyone talked about it. So I, I bought it and I'm watching it. And she goes, what do you think? I'm like, I think it's pretty good. And then like two minutes later, Beetlejuice came out and like he does that first monologue and he's like hitting on Gina Davis, he's doing all this stuff. And at the end of his monologue, I turned to Tina and I go, You hate him, don't you? And she's like, Oh my God, he's so insufferable. She's yeah. like, I'm going to bed. And I was I mean, like, that's, Fair enough. That's the point of the character, right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. No, I got that. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, you could, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely. He does have a redeeming quality. And that's so weird because I was like, I love Beetlejuice. And I watched it with Dad. And she's like, Beetlejuice is kind of rapey. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, as a kid, as a kid, you don't see that, like, those layers. Oh. So, like, it's like, I, it's, it's the Ferris Bueller effect. This is a, a theory I've come up with because I loved Ferris Bueller's Day Off as a kid yeah. um, and thought he was so cool and, like, funny and clever. And then I showed Ferris Bueller to Tina because she'd never seen it before. She saw it as a 30-year-old school teacher. 
And she's like, Ferris Bueller's a dick. And I was like, he is. Like, I never thought about it before. But as a kid, he was so cool because he's doing all these things. But as an adult, like, I'm like, oh, this kid's a nightmare. Like, he's not, you know, Bart Simpson. Like, he's not, like, deliberately trying to hurt people or anything. But at the same time, he's like, oh, yeah, like, he's really annoying. Like, he's just making people's lives difficult. Um, and I think Beetlejuice is probably the same thing. As a kid, I'm sure he was very funny. And you're like, oh, he's got a funny voice and he, like, he swears and he does all these, you know, he's like, he's like a zombie or is he? I don't know what he is. And he's a, a rebel. But as an adult, you're like, wow. Especially in adults, like, in the 2020s. Like, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. But um, Beetlejuice is a good movie. Yeah, yeah no, I really enjoyed it. I um, I loved th- The thing that Tim Burton does really well, and I guess we'll cover in Edward Scissorhands in a moment, is the contrast between his characters and like quote unquote normal society, like oh. those pitch perfect like nineteen fifties era style houses with the white picket fences, and then throw a weird monster man in there. <laughs> like, I just read because I was just reading up on all more movies. I read something that um, really like puts it into perspective of why he's like it's like that, and uh, it's because he was like an outsider, obviously. Um, so he, like, Edward Scissorhands for him is, like, him trying to, like, fit into society mm. uh, and being treated as an outsider. And I totally, like, resonate with that, like, sort of creative sort of difference and stuff. But, like, that's how he was feeling, like, living in Burbank and stuff. So that Edward Scissorhands for him is, like, that contrast between, like, the weird and the normal and, like, the the the, the normal, fi- uh, sorry, the weird character or, like, the outsider finding their way in the normal world. Um, um, really, yeah. Like, I am. I, um, I studied Tim Burton a bit when I was studying film in high school. Like we talked about that. I think it was, we were shown Edward Scissorhands. I think we studied Edward Scissorhands, um, Edward Scissorhands in class, and it's it's a beautiful movie. Like oh, it's so good. Like everyone, like if you haven't seen it or you just you only think of it as a Tim Burton film, you're like, oh, it's a kooky guy with Scissorhands. Um, or like if you've ever seen that that Seinfeld episode with the barbers, where the barbers like, oh, how are you going to go to the toilet <laughs> with the scissorhands? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so like it's so yeah. layered. Like it's not just a monster film. Like it's in many ways it's Frankenstein, but it's yes. like it's it's like Frankenstein. If Frankenstein's monster then it's tried to move in next door, like yeah. I think it's the. I mean, like I think it's the only um, Frankenstein movie. Um, to de- uh, re- re- re-envisioning uh, of a successful Frankenstein movie to date. I don't what, about, that- what about Frank and Weenie, which is also Tim Burton? I, I mean, I like that in a different way, but it's not like... I haven't seen it, so I just thought... <laughs> I know you've seen it. I know you said you liked it, so yeah. I wanted to double-check. Frank and Weenie is fun. Um, but I think Edward Scissorhand is the only reimagining of Frankenstein done successfully to like, I don't think there's anything else that comes close to being as good as Edward's exams as a new version of Frankenstein. It's yeah. funny. Like, I watched that, like, I haven't watched it in probably close to 20 years. Like, I think the last time I watched it, I was still in high school. But the Im- there are a couple of images that come to mind straight away. And, like, people always think of, like, him cutting the hair and him trimming the, the hedges and stuff. But I always think of Winona Ryder comes home and she gets into her bed and she finds out that Edward's hands is sleeping in her bed, and then he rolls over and pops the water bed with all his scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think of that, and like, <laughs> it's just like, because he's not—he hasn't had proper parenting. Like, he was raised by a mad scientist who die, dies, if I remember correctly, yeah, and yeah. so he doesn't really have language skills either. And Johnny Depp's delivery of the word "police" when they start hunting him—he's just like. Please, <laughs> like, it cracked me up for so long as a teenager. I'm like, what is that choice? 
Um, but the other thing I think of, which is probably something that people think of more, is um, out in the snow when he's like dancing yes. and it's like in a snow globe and stuff. It's such a good scene, just with like the the hedge trimmed animals and like the snow and all that. So is that is that Christmas time? I can't remember if there's Christmas lights in it or not. Oh, I can't remember either. If it, if it is, is, does that make it a Christmas movie or not? So I know Tim Burton does put a lot of Christmas in his movies. Like Batman like, Returns? Yeah, yeah. Batman's, um, Batman, then Batman movies very 90s, by the way. But sorry? Then the Tim Burton Batman movies, another what? 90s. They're another 90s. Well, the first one's 89, but the second one's 92, so you get the second yeah. one. Yeah. Um. Everything you said about Edward Scissorhands so far, like I would like even Tim Burton, like kind of be the outsider fitting into normality, like a hundred percent agree with. Like it's, yeah, I like I literally read that 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 story is literally like him trying to like uh, get to grips with like where he grew up. I think is Burbank, um, but yeah, like I was like that. I'd never realized that, but that made so much sense, um, and it's really cool. I also read that like I I take this with a grain of salt, but apparently Tom Cruise auditioned for. Edward's is a hand, and he questioned, like, how does Edward go to the toilet? Oh, so, really? Yeah. That, that does that. I bet you that's true. Like, I bet you that, like, that, like, if you think about Tom Cruise, the Tom Cruise we know today, the kind of practicality he takes when he approaches his films, he's like, no, no, I have to actually jump out of a helicopter. I bet you, like, as a young actor, he was like, well, hang on, if I'm going to be, Ed, you know, I'm Edward's is a hand, okay, so I've got scissors for hands. Oh, I need to go to the toilet. Like, how do I do that? And Tim Burton was probably like, "Shut up and get out of here." Like, it's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I think I read it. It might have been like fake, you know, you know, celebrity gossip, you know, on them dumb websites. But I, I have, I have an answer for Tom Cruise. I was like, he's not human. He's a robot. <laughs> like he was made. Is he, he a robot? Oh, oh. oh. Maybe he's half human though. He's like he's organic. Like I mean, like he's robot and like made from parts. So does he need to pee? Well, if you think of Frankenstein's monster, like he was made from like bits and pieces of corpses. Yeah. Yeah. Does Doctor Frankenstein like give him a bladder or a stomach? Like does Frankenstein's monster eat? I honestly don't know know the answer to this question. I've never read Frankenstein, and I have. I can't remember like. I'm trying to think because I'm pretty sure at the start of Edward Scissorhands is like he's like making him and there's a lot of gears and pistons mm. and stuff. So I'm trying to remember if he's like more rob- he's like half robot and half man. So I can't remember. But but if he's if he's made, so there wasn't even if he's like he wasn't born. He wasn't born like out of out of a woman. He's been like pieced back together from bits and pieces of you know junk and robots and humans. Then yeah. he's not alive anyway, technically not alive the way that we are. So he probably doesn't really need to eat. Like he does eat in the movie, yeah. but he probably doesn't need to because he probably doesn't have like a digestive tract. So he probably doesn't need to go to, I think you're right. I, I no. just feel like he. But where does has, that food and liquid go? Just out the shoot, at the back. <laughs> this is like a, a whole, just like an exhaust pipe. I mean, it just, I mean, it sucks the fun out of everything. I mean, he has scissors for hands and they, they work. Yeah. So. <laughs> But yeah, there would be exhausted. I mean, if I was building a human robot, I was like, why are there so many, like, holes? Just let's have one hole that shoots all the crap out the back. Yeah. But <laughs> if he wasn't designed to eat, then, like, he wouldn't need one. It's only because, like, yeah. the Avon lady was like, yeah, we'll give you some peaches or something. And then he has to do something with it. I just I just think that he, because he was made and he sort of, like, has these, like, robotic 
you know, blade hands mm. that you'd be like, well, maybe he doesn't need it. You know, he's not, you know, totally like flesh and all. I'll buy it. I, I think that's a rational explanation. Yeah. I just, um, Tom Cruise and that guy from Seinfeld, you know, need to pay more attention. He's not real. Yeah. So get lost. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, it's a really good flick. Like now, like just like before when we were talking about Chappie, you're now making me want to watch Edward Scissorhands because I haven't watched it in so long. Um, but it's it's a really wonderful movie. Like I'm trying to think of all the different bits and pieces. Um, do I feel like no? I can't remember. I, it's been so long. I can't remember. I was to say, isn't there like a whole scene where like all the girls are interested in Edward, or is it just Winona yeah, Ryder? Yeah. He becomes like very popular with yeah. the girls, like the puppy dog, like the hot puppy dog of the town. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the 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 curiosity because, like, you know, they don't sort of like he's different, so he becomes like the sort of interesting sort of talk of the town. But as soon as he makes the mistake, he's a monster. Yeah, because they hunt him down, don't they? They hunt him back to the castle, like yeah. just like Frank. It's very, it's very much Frankenstein. Um, yeah, it, as I said, it's been a minute, so I'm just trying to jog my own memory. But yeah, it's such a good movie, yeah. so good. Like, definitely. Like, is that Tim Burton's first movie? Am I remembering that correctly? Is that no? Because it's no ninety, so eighty nine was Batman. Yeah, and I, Beetlejuice was eighty eight. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his first movie. He oh, I don't well, know. He did Frank and Weenie as a live action. Yeah. Um, when he worked for Disney. Um, it's so funny because when I was studying him, there was this whole story about how Tim Burton worked for Disney and he hated it because they wanted him to draw everything the same way as everyone else. And so oh. he quit working for Disney. And I was like, really? Because he's really gone on to thrive with Disney over the last decade. <laughs> like, he's got, like, whatever issues he had with Disney, he's still, you know, clearly put them to bed. So. There's so many stories of people working for Disney leaving and then they end up like funding their, their, their movies or content because. You know, they're like, oh, I don't want to do it the way Disney does it. And they're like, fine, leave. And then they go off and be, like, define themselves some other way. And then they end up, like, Disney ends up publishing their work because they need a bigger catalogue. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the thing that Tim Burton did most recently was Wednesday, which was wonderful. Yes. Um, I'm trying to see if he – oh, he did Pee Wee? Yeah. That was his. That was his first movie, I think. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Everything else was shorts before that, including, yeah. as I mentioned, um, he did Frank and Weenie, um, which was a Disney short. It was a, a thirty-minute short. Yeah. Um, probably like it's too dark. Yeah. Oh wow, that's a solid cast as well. Um, nice one. That's um, that's a that's a great flu. I I love it. Mrs. Hands, and you've really made me want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Um, I need to like order like a. A Tim Burton pack or something, and just get all the movies I'm missing. So I don't have a lot of his films. Yeah, there's also uh, I think Big Fish. No one ever talks. Ah, uh, Big Fish. Yeah, Tina loves Big Fish. Yeah, and he did Planet of the Apes. Yes, which I've only seen once. I remember the one, the one time I did watch. I really did like it, but I was a bit younger. But yeah, according to most people, it's not a, it's not a preferred film. But um, I'll give it another go. Yeah. Um, what is next on your '90s list? Oh. I don't know if I've told you about this, but I feel like I have. Um, I found it weird that it's on my list, but I just remember it so much, and um, it's, it's The Frighteners. That doesn't surprise me either. Um, you were a big Frighteners fan when we were kids. I still haven't seen it from start to finish, but this is a Peter Jackson film, isn't it? Yeah. With uh, MJF himself, Michael J. Fox. Yeah, horror comedy. Mm. All right. So You'll have to tell me a bit about this one because I haven't seen it, so... Um, 
Yeah. So he's like a, a paranormal investigator who um, is friends with the ghosts and he um, gets them to haunt places and then leaves, like, they'll leave his car, like, close by and then they'll, the, the people that are haunted will end up calling um, this guy to come in and get rid of the ghosts. So he basically just scams people with real ghosts. So you can see ghosts. He just, like, uses them as a business um, to make a living. And... Um, so he's like, you know, he's sort of like, this is sort of like he's, uh, I mean, this is where he is right now until like, um, he starts noticing people with like numbers on their head. Um, and he's like, what's going on? So he gets a bit of a, a greater calling um, for him to use his abilities properly. So it's sort of like, you know, just this fun um, journey where he has to sort of use his abilities to um, overcome, you know, I think, I think it was like a, a near death experience and like he's, you know, uh, what would you say? These are shortcomings to like stop people from you know being murdered by like this entity that's appearing as death going around and actually killing people. Mm. Uh, and he's sort of like the only one who can see like what's going on. So you know he he yeah this is his calling basically. Um, and it's just like a fun journey with ghosts and you know Michael J. Fox and all that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that I haven't seen it. Being that I love the Back to the Future film so much, being that I love Ghostbusters. Um, you would think that this would be like a natural pr- progression for me, but um, just uh, haven't got around to it. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So he, the, the near death experience defines um, his life. So he's sort of like given up on life a little bit, but uh, from that, he um, he gains the ability to like see ghosts. So like he's mm. dealing with, like it's to do with the theme is death, obviously. Um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I no, that's okay. It. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy. You've got more information than I do on this. I haven't so. seen it in ages. Like, I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. It, um, I got to, um, I got to look it up now and see who else is in it. Cause I, I feel like I know more about the film than I remember knowing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, John Aston's in it. Jeffrey Coombs, D. Was, wow. This is like a who's who of, yeah. of horror history Ali Ermi oh this is a great list I gotta check this out there's so many like huge um huge faces in it that's awesome uh well I know what I'll be adding to my list after this episode as well it's it's a good movie like it's um I didn't do it justice but uh it's just really fun no that's solid um nice one I I wish I had more to say about I wish I had seen it so I could talk to you about it because I I feel like it's the kind of movie that I'm really gonna dig on I can't remember a lot of things, but the, the gist is like, um, it's just like he finds out someone's murdering, like the Grim Reaper's coming along and murdering people and they've all got numbers. Like the cool visual thing of this is like everyone's got like numbers on his head. So he sort of knows when they're going to sort of pass away. So his job is to prevent it from happening. And I think that sort of ties in with his inability to save his like wife from a car accident. Um, mm. Yeah. I've got to check it out. Like you're getting like... As, as excited as I was getting about Edwards as a hand, like I've seen that before, but like mm-hmm. I really want to check this out now. Characters are really good in it too, the, mm-hmm. the personalities, yeah. Nice one. I definitely like you'll 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 you know shed a tear for the um what is it? The uh the the cowboy. Oh yeah? Yeah, the um what's what's it called? Um the gunslinger, yeah. He's cool. Oh, I like that. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of a gunslinger. So uh, I'm definitely down to check that out. All right, that's that's on the list now. That'll be added. 
I was gonna I was gonna do a Blu-ray order tonight, so I might have to see if I can get a copy of Frighteners. Yeah. I, I, I looked up Waterworld while you're talking about it. It's not available in Australia on Blu-ray, and the cheapest copy I could find in the UK was thirty-seven dollars. So uh, I might have to wait till it's on sale. Nice. Um, we are burning through this list. What's number two? Galaxy Quest. That doesn't surprise me either. Oh, I, another one I still haven't seen. I was literally thinking today when I was looking because I was getting ready. I'm going to do an order tonight. I was like, I should just buy Galaxy Quest and I can finally watch it. Yeah. Um, you used to talk about Galaxy Quest a lot and I remember not understanding what it was. So I'm like, that looks weird. Like, it looks dumb. <laughs> like, that was my thought. But yeah. now that I know that, like, it's about, well, I should let you talk about it. It's your movie. Well, I, I was going to say, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I like everything about the movie. And I think it's just, like, a really fun ride. But it's essentially, like, what would happen if the, the people playing Star Trek characters were adopted by real aliens? Mm, yeah. They would have to save the day for real, but in the exact same setting that they would play on the show. And that's exactly <laughs> the premise. Mm. Like, they have to embody the characters. They have to learn to embody the characters they play on the show. Um, and I just think like people have called it like the perfect movie which I when I was reading I was like that's crazy because I I just think it's like a really fun awesome sci-fi no people um, love it people love it it's one of those ones that's been on my list forever to check out I've never got around to it but um, I, obviously I'm a huge Alan Rickman fan I don't really know anyone who's not a huge Alan Rickman fan Sigourney Weaver Tim Allen yeah I just realized Tim Allen in that movie has like a buzz like your catchphrase too oh does he yeah, um, hang on, what is it? Um, it's Never Give Up, Never Surrender. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what it is. That does feel very Buzz Lightyear, yeah. Yeah, doesn't it? Um, yeah, no, it's uh, Alan Rickman's character, which plays a Spock type. I was going to say, he's, he's Spock, isn't he? Like, he has yeah, to be Spock, yeah. Just, yeah, he just, he, I mean, they just play the same, the same sort of characters that you would have seen in Star Trek, but I'm like... An exaggerated level, and then they add their, their personal things. So, like, obviously, like, you know, Tim Allen plays like a William Shatner who's just like, you know, too cocky and just like, whatever, I'm here. You know, every, every, like, all the characters sort of exaggerated. So, going if we just plays like the, like, the non important female character that just must repeat everything. Um, it just pokes fun at, at um, Star Trek while, you know, improving on it in, in a fun and, and sort of like makes it its own thing. Like, the aliens are funny. The, the action adventure is really good too. It, it's just a fun ride. It's um, a so even the support like Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell. I just saw that um Justin Long's in this movie. Like, is yeah. this Justin Long's first film? No, I don't think. so. Oh, maybe his first film. I know this was in TV for a while. The um, first movie I remember seeing Justin Long in was Dodgeball, and I was actually talking about him the, on the last episode on an episode recently as well, because um. Maddie was saying she doesn't like she didn't like Vince Vaughn movies, and I was like, <laughs> Dodgeball's great. Like I won't hear any anything against Dodgeball. I love me some young Dustin Long, but is it is it because Vince Vaughn plays the same character every single time? Vince Vaughn, yeah, he doesn't. He just um, but he does um, he's very sarcastic. And Maddie was saying she doesn't really like sarcasm. She doesn't always get sarcasm. Like the, and I was like, oh well, then like you can't watch a Vince Vaughn film because all he does is be sarcastic. Yeah, he's like the sadistic, dry-humoured, you know, dude in every scene. For the last few years, Vince Vaughn's had a great oh, yeah. Um, yeah. resurgence. Like he was – Galaxy Quest is his first movie. It is. Um, really? Yeah. There you go. Um, 
Yeah, Vince Vaughn's had a great little comeback. Like Freaky, I I love Freaky. I don't know if you've ever seen Freaky, but that's a great movie. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Dwight. Um, what's his name? Rain Wilson's one of the aliens. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's um. Oh, that's awesome. I've got a like. I'm almost ashamed that I've seen almost none of the movies on your list, but I'm so excited because I'm going to add all three of them to my list. I've got um. I've got a picture here for you. Here's Dwight, here's Dwight from The Office in Galaxy Quest. The audience can't see it. But there he is. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, like I don't have much background, so I can't talk about them too much. But I'm, I'm coming away from this with a lot to watch. And there's young Justin Long. There he is in it with a haircut I've never seen him wear before. But there he is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Man, I, I'm so excited about your list because give me so much material. Like I haven't heard you talk about a single film where I'm like, eh, I don't care about that one. Like I want to see all of these movies. And how weird is it? Because they're not like like Independence Day or like cult like blockbuster movies from the nineties. They're just like random sort of like fun fantasy movies as well, which I find well, weird. Well, I haven't heard your number one yet, and I could spoil it, but I've been saying for a while now that the nineties were run by the three M's. And that's The Matrix, Men in Black, and The Mummy. Like, those are the movies I think of when I think of the 90s. Uh, Matrix almost made the list, but this other movie, I was just like, well, purely based on my interests, um, mm. it knocked The Matrix out. Because The Matrix 1 is, like, perfect and, and a good embodiment of the 90s in sci-fi, I reckon. Um, um, absolutely. And we'll have, you know, it had Raging S. Machine on the soundtrack, which, as we talked about before, would influence some bad decisions I made when I worked in a video store. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Oh, I am loving your list. Like this might be my favorite list you've put in so far. And you've had some pretty good ones, but everything on this list I want to watch and most of it I haven't seen before. So that's always very yeah. exciting for me. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, well, which one, leaves number one. Which you have seen is Blade. Oh, of course. I honestly I thought Men in Black was gonna be on your list somewhere, but Blade is a great, great movie. Men in Black is fun and it's good, but Blade is my embodiment of, you know, fantasy uh, fantasy action for the 90s. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of people know what Blade is. Wesley Snipes, very 90s guy, very 80s guy. Um, he's, he's back. He came, he's out of prison. He's doing movies again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Blade is, like, it just changed everything it changed the landscape for for comic book movies especially yeah i feel like i feel like it's weird because it, it like wasn't a big deal but then it is a big deal at the same time do you know what i mean like it's just like it just is it the first comic book movie as well i mean no it's well, no well no we had superman in 78 what, what about marvel though is it i thought like it's almost the first marvel movie. um we no no it was the first big budget theatrical marvel film but there was a punisher film in the 80s there were two Captain America films in the 80s um, oh, where, he, yeah. where he literally wears a bicycle helmet. Um, <laughs> there's a Fantastic Four film from the very early 90s which never got released. Um, so there are some, some Marvel films, but this is the yeah. first. I was going to say, there's, I read something, I can't remember, it's significant for some reason for Marvel. Um, I can't remember this, though. I think it's the first live-action Marvel film to get a proper budget and a proper studio release. I think it's the first of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, because, yeah, Spider-Man was 2001, X-Men was 2000. 
Um, Fantastic Four was like 2003 or something. So all those early Marvel films came after Blade. Um, Marvel's, yeah, most of Marvel's films didn't really come out until the 2000s. So, yeah, Blade could very well be the first. But I I wouldn't call it a stable Marvel movie anyway because it doesn't follow any of the the sort of um, framework that would go on to being a Marvel movie anyway. I guess the only Mar- the only Marvel film was in the seventies, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That might be the first Marvel movie, but it was a TV movie, so it still doesn't really count. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I would say it. Um. It's very unlike Marvel because it's one of the few Marvel films to have an adult rating. Like, they didn't market it as a movie for kids. Like they marked, they were like, this is an adult horror film, um, with one of the greatest opening scenes of any comic book film ever, which is the Blood Rave. Oh yeah, yeah. Really good, but um, yeah, just iconic. A lot of good. Oh, the story's great. Action scenes are great. Um, just kick-ass lines. You know everything that makes nineties cool. Um, vampires. When vampires were cool and didn't sparkle. Um, oh, that's a cheap shot. That's yeah. a cheap shot. Like I did, watch Twi- I did watch Twilight the other day. Oh, did you? How did it hold up for you as a <laughs> man in your mid thirties? I mean, it's okay. I mean, for like, I was like, I'll watch this over like something boring. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What you know it's um, it's like it's it, that. That is the perfect definition of a movie that's not for me. Like, I saw a bunch of those films because Tina was into the Twilight films, and I thought they were fine. I wasn't like, oh my god, I can't wait to watch it again. But I thought they were fine. But like, I couldn't understand the hate. Cause I'm like, well. They're made for like 14-year-old girls. Unless you're a 14-year-old girl, you're probably not going to like this movie. Like, it's not made for you. And it proved that Robert Pattinson and uh, Kristen Stewart are the smartest people in the world because they were like, 14-year-old girls are going to see this movie again and again and again. Tina saw it like four times in cinemas, I'm pretty sure, the first Twilight film. And it's like, and they're going to become billionaires and then they can just do whatever they want in Hollywood. And they have. Every movie they've made since those Twilight films has been interesting and cool and different. Like, Kristen Stewart, like, got ridiculed for her acting in those films but she's made some wonderful movies um and robert pattinson like he's batman now like he's done some really cool movies as well so they were smart they were like we're gonna get on this this cash train we'll make a bunch of money and then do something really you know I mean, make the movies Twilight, Twilight does have some cool ideas like some cool concepts um i mean tearing just... apart the vampires and burning them that's pretty cool like yeah, yeah. i mean i think just with that whole team throb thing so just so it just changes the theme a little bit. Well, I mean, like, again, like, vampires are inherently romantic. Like, Dracula's a romance story. Yeah. Um, Interview with the vampires a romance story. Like, vampires have a very romantic history. It's because it was put in high school. Like, that's the thing. Like, people are like, oh, it's in high school and they're teenagers and, you know, they're going to play indie rock soundtrack. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, and they sparkle. The sparkle thing didn't – I actually – kind of like the sparkle the thing sparkle like, you know, is a cool concept but i just i just think like it i mean like obviously you're like how could this be done cooler but obviously it suits its purpose for the theme of the movie and all that because it is cool but it's just look in 2000 i think it was 2008 i know we we're talking about blade but we got on a tangent <laughs> whenever those books came out which i think was 2008 or 2007 it was around that time like vampires had already been done to death so how do you like it's one of the one of the oldest monsters is the vampire. Like, they've been telling stories about vampires for centuries. Yeah. How do you change the vampire? How do you make it different? And she was like, you know what? 
maybe they don't burn up in the sunlight. Maybe they sparkle. And I'll tell you what, no one had thought of that before that movie. Like, so yeah, props to that idea. I definitely credit where credit's due. Yeah. Um, but Blade is a much more traditional um, avenue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I I feel like it kicked off like you know sort of like them action vampire movies that would become underworld and all that that sort of style because like until then vampires were like really like let's drive a stake you know in the in like in the vampire in like a castle or something but you know i feel like i can't remember any like anything else that did like vampires in the modern world you know like with swords and leather and all that that sort of thing i can't think of it yeah i'm trying to think as well like even blood rain which those films you know uh, directed by Juve Boll, and he's notorious for making very cheap and underperforming movies. But even what, that was made up. Yeah, Blood I, Rain. I just the game, game movies. Yeah, the game movie. <laughs> um, that was made after Blade. Yeah. But I think Blade might have been the first. Um, which, of course, now they're they're doing Blade for the MCU. Like that's their they're working on that. And I read something recently where they're not going to set Blade in modern times. It's going to be yeah. set like it's going to be set in like the the nineteen twenties, which to me was like what a great idea. Like that's how you can get more out of that. You can do like a or you can do a time lapse story where it's him through the ages. Like you can do that, and then just like Captain America shows up in the present oh, day. Yeah, like yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like you can do him like in Victorian London, and you can do like you can do all sorts of cool, cool things with him. Isn't he? Isn't he? Isn't this play connected to the Eternals? Uh, he was. His voice was heard at the end of Eternals. Um, just like the voiceover. Um, and he was talking to um, John Snow. Yeah, John Snow. He's uh, Dane, Dane something. I can't remember the character's name, but he's yeah. the Black Knight. Um, Blade is a great film, and then of course Blade Two, Guillermo del Toro really puts him yeah. in the in the spotlight. Um, and he would go on to make some some more um, comic book movies as well as some interesting um, horror stuff. Because I think the only thing he'd done before Blade 2 was like the Devil's Backbone and Mimic, and that might be about it, I think. Yeah. Um, because this is pre-Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth doesn't come to that until about 2004. Oh, so Blade, Blade 2 is before Pan's Labyrinth. A lot of people didn't like Blade 2, but I didn't mind it, like, for something. I think, did people have a problem with the vampire style, like the splitting of the... I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, I don't know. I think I told you about it. I watched the Blade films during lockdown, except for the first one, because I think my DVD wasn't working and I don't have them on Blu-ray. It's been added to the wish list. Um, And the problem I had with two is um, the action scenes didn't quite hold up as well. So, like, there's a stunt where, like, Wesley Snipes kicks off a wall, but you can tell he's, like, a 40-year-old guy trying to do a stunt that he probably shouldn't be doing so it looks really lame. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favourite Blade story is from Blade Trinity, yeah. which is when yes. Wesley Snipes hated the director so much that he refused to keep his <laughs> eyes open, so had to CGI his eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> he just laid there on the table with his eyes closed, refusing to keep his eyes open. And I was like, that's so funny. Um, Fuck you, we're going to CG it. Yeah, if you want my eyes, you're going to have to pay thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in computer-generated images to get my eyes. Um, I loved Trinity when it first came out because it was like it had Ron Reynolds and Jessica Biel and it was like Blade for like my generation. Yeah. It's uh, There's some cool ideas in it, but it is a tough watch. Um, a, little bit, a little bit of the cheese. Yeah. 
But like that whole scene where they come back to their camp, like everyone's been murdered. Like that's a bold scene to put in a movie. Like you're introduced to all these heroes and then like 20 minutes later, they're all dead. Um, yeah, yeah. Also like the ancient vampire, I think it's a good way to end the trilogy as well. It was Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Um, played by Dominic Purcell, who we've all known from Prison Break and, uh, and Legends of Tomorrow. Weird choice for Dracula. Not not my go-to, but I, I didn't mind his performance. I think he has, like, that sort of, like, I've been around for, like, eons, not eons, centuries. Mm. Look. I, um, I always think of the bloodletting machine in the first Blade where Deacon Frost straps him in and, like, is trying to drain him of his blood. Yeah. Um, that's a, a very cool scene. A very, very cool scene. Um, and then, of course, uh, Chris Christopherson plays Whistler. Yeah. Um. It's um yeah I haven't watched it in a good long while but I I remember I, I love Blade like every time I watch it I yeah. have a grand old time with it. The director of Blade would go on to direct another movie you and I saw in cinemas, which was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, and that was the the last movie he directed. I, I did you do Ghostbusters? The Ghost... No, he didn't do that. Ghostbusters was um uh, Ivan Reitman. Oh, right. Okay, right. I'll be honest, man. That is a good list. Couple of films I've seen. Most of them I haven't, which I again like. I want to see all three of those films now. Like you've really got me in the mood to check out some Galaxy Quest Frighteners and Waterworld. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to hear what didn't make the cut. You said you got a couple of honorable mentions. Oh, uh, I, I think I lost my list, but Matrix was on there. Casper was on there. Mm. Um. Uh, Starship Troopers, I think. I thought it was. Isn't that 2001? I think so. That's uh, that might be it. Oh no, ninety-seven. My bad. It was ninety-seven. I um I bought Starship Troopers in the last year. I haven't rewatched it yet, but that's a great flick. Yeah. Um, Fifth Element. Yeah, Fifth Element's come up on every episode now so far really? for the nineties. Oh. Everyone's mentioned it. Like the, the last you put it on their top five, and you put it in an honorable mention. It's a great flick. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, that's um yeah. I had Men in Black. I love Men in Black. Like the nineties, like it's so funny. Like when I was preparing for for this round of interviews or episodes, and I've started th- I've started thinking about my list, and I still haven't finished my list. Um, I think I've got three down. I'm still working out the other two on my top five. Yeah. Because I was like, the, I kind of dismissed them. Like, oh, the '90s, like the '90s wasn't that big. Like a lot of that stuff doesn't hold up. There's a lot of cheesy action in there. But like the more I think about it, I'm like, it's actually a treasure trove. There's so much good stuff in there. Like, yeah. And, you know, that's not even touching on, like, the Pixar of it all. Like, Pixar is born in the 90s. You get Bugs Life. You get Toy Story. Yeah. Literally everything. Even, like, like I was talking about, because we're talking about her, what hers would be as well. And she brought up a lot of, like... I should get back on the show. Like, it's crazy I haven't got on the show at this point. Like, I should get her on and get her to do a couple of lists as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she was saying Home Alone, uh, Mighty Ducks, like, all them sort of, like, coming yeah. in age movies. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just like that's what I think about the nineties. You could just like it, I always think things like going to the cinema and like what you could see compared mm. to now. Because like we were trying to go to the movies and there was nothing for us to watch. Like, Did, like, my like choice, this year. Yeah, like I literally choose between a kids' movie or like a Marvel movie, and that's that's my like, that's my choice. Um, it's um it's tough because the chains don't carry a lot of the more interesting independent stuff. Like there was some great stuff last year, but. 
I don't know which cinema showed The Northman, but Northman was great. I don't know which cinema showed Everywhere, Everywhere, Everything Everywhere at All at Once, but that was a great yeah. movie. I would, have, I would have seen that at cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's been some horror stuff, but I know you're not the. I know, I know you like horror, but I know you're the world's biggest horror. But like, this has been like January and February are big horror months because nothing plays normally no, in January, yeah. February. So that's, that's when they that's release the horrors. Released Avatar then because it just like dominated the box office because there's no competition. They had no. They have no competition until next week when Ant Man comes out or when this drops. Ant Man will have been out and hopefully done quite well. I'm. Um, we're in the future. In the future, everything has worked out. Ant Man's taken over. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've literally been like trying to organize a babysitter for next week. So I'm like, I need to go see Ant-Man. I can't wait. They've got MODOK in it and he's a big head. Like they've done MODOK properly. I can't. What's the voice for that? I think it's Corey Stoll. I think it's the villain from the first Ant-Man film, Yellow Jacket. I think oh. it's his, I think it's his head. All right. Um, but I'm not sure. Like that's just my theory. Like I don't know for, for certain. Um, uh, I'm yeah, very excited for Ant-Man. We're we yeah. not on the 10th. I, I just felt like, you know, you could go to the movie center and you could just, you could pick between a comedy, uh, like a, a good comedy, a good sci-fi, good action, no action. Like, there'd just be like a choice of like good range. I mean, everything's gone to like, you know, the streaming services now. So mm. I think that's also, like, I mean, it's multiple things. It's like streaming services, Hollywood, you know, what they're willing to put money into, you know, what people are going to, you know, like the cost of, you know, things. I don't know. Mm. I um, there weren't too many surprises on your list. Actually, like I thought, in fact, none of them, none of them surprised me. I wasn't expecting all of them. Um, I was expecting Waterworld. I was expecting um, Sleepy Hollow, but I got Edward Scissorhands, which I'm I'm happy with. I did. I I was wondering would you throw me a curveball and throw Dogma in there? Because I know you're a big fan of Dogma as well. Oh, I love Dogma. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, I mm. do love that. I will. I will rewatch that. Um, that, that is a hard movie to get like it's not available on any f- format in any country at the moment it seems like it's it, movie though, isn't it? i've got two copies i've got an american dvd and an australian dvd i was like i was like oh good i can definitely watch it at some point i've got a couple of copies of it so um yeah i definitely know you have you gotta have clerks on your list i won't put clerks on my list i can i can spoil it right now and the reason is i never repeat movies um but otherwise it would be on there and like the thing is i've named i think i've already talked about my favorite kevin smith films from the 90s so there probably won't be a kevin smith film on my 90s list um yeah. i've talked about close i've talked about dogma i like more rats but it's not really in the top five list for anything for me and chasing amy is not really in the top five list for me either mm-hmm. um there is a movie that's on my list which will act as a kevin smith kind of um filler where it's, it's very much like a kevin smith film so i'll throw that in there because i like that but i'll keep that from my list yeah um yeah, interesting. Is it hard uh, for you? Like, the 90s was hard, like, really hard. It is. It's really, I, I'm surprised, as I said, I'm surprised how hard it was because 80s, I'm like, there's so many great 80s films. 2000s, I'm like, that's when I started watching everything. And that's when, like, you know, comedy grew up. And that's when we started getting superhero films. So, the 2000s, I think, would be easy as well. But 90s, I was like, there's not much. And then I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my God, no, there's too much. Like, there's so much. Like, Jurassic Park came out in the 90s. Like, this, like Men in Black, which I've talked about, Matrix, like yeah. there's so much, you know, Speed, Face Off, like Con Air, like all these like yeah. Nick Cage yeah. films, um, you know, it's all the all the Harrison Ford thrillers, like um, yeah. uh, Air Force One and stuff like that. There's so much in the '90s. Um, yeah. It's nuts. Um, you know, 
so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm having a hard, I'm not having a hard time, but I just want to. My thing, I take it very seriously, so I don't want to put my list out there and have any regrets and be like, man, I should talk about this film more. Um, but 80s, I was really happy with my list. I was really, really happy with my 80s list. So I think I'll, I'll get to a point where I have a 90s list that I'm very, very confident with as well. I just have to figure out what that list is. Um, yeah. because the problem is, as I get, we get into more recent decades, I've seen, I will have seen more movies from that decade just by having access to it. So 2000s, like especially working in a video store and being able to start going to the movies, I saw a lot in the 2000s. 2010s, 2020. Like there was a year where I watched, I went to the movies every week. Like, so it's going to get harder and harder to like narrow down that decade. Like we, on the old podcast I did past the remote, we sat down and we did for 2020, we did the best movies of the decade. And what we did was we did our top 10 movies from each year of the decade. And then the next episode was our top 10 movies of the decade. And I just took my number one from every list. I'm like, that'll do like that. If it was number one of the year, then it must be number one. Yeah. How would you, how would you go through that? It's almost impossible, right? It's so hard. So hard. <laughs> and also, like, also, like, the concept of this whole podcast is ridiculous. Like, how can you choose just five? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. um, excellent. Well, you've made it to the end, but there's one more thing, as always, with a uh, an episode. There is a rapid-fire question round. As I move through the decades and, you know, change the topic more, the rapid-fires get harder and harder. Yeah, it's um, my arch nemesis of your show. I don't mean the questions are harder. I mean, it gets harder for me to come up with questions, but I have been told these questions are quite hard. Oh, so we'll, I, just, uh, we'll, I just can't think that fast. <laughs> well, there's only four questions this time. All I've right. cut it down a little bit because I couldn't think of any others. So the first question from the 90s rapid fire round is, Josh, which 90s movie has the best poster? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice easy one for you. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna say with Suzanne. I can just remember that poster. Yeah, like, it's iconic. That's really good. Yeah. Him um, like bending down and looking at with the scissors up, and it's a snowy background. Yeah, it's really good. I um I haven't thought about my answer for that yet, but I would also say um Batman Returns, just the yeah. cat, the cat, the bat, the bird, or whatever it is. Like that's a really good poster. Yeah. Um, but I like your yeah, Edward I'm funny. Two Tim Burton ones. I didn't even think about that. Um, that was a pretty quick answer. You've uh, you've been practicing. Yeah. Uh, Josh, which 90s actor or actress is due for a comeback? So obviously recently we've had Brendan Fraser return after a long mm-hmm. hiatus. Who's from the who haven't we really seen for, since the 90s or who was big in the 90s and deserves to come back and have another big big oh, chunk of it? Wesley Snipes. I yes, think. what a great answer. I, I was already thinking that. I was like, I want Wesley Snipes to come back. Like, uh, what's really funny is I think he said, like when they announced the Blade film, he's like, hey, I'll do it. Like, I'd love to yeah. do Blade again. Yeah. And like... In a world where they're doing secret wars and there's rumors of Tobey Maguire and Hugh Jackman coming back, yeah. why not get Wesley Snipes? Like you could totally do it. I, I mean, it's, I know it's like dumb to bring back like people who've already done the movie because you're like, well, we're already seeing this. But like, I just feel like you know, no way home proves that you can do it. Like, definitely do it. I'm like, you're keeping Wolverine around. For, oh, Hugh Jackman for Wolverine around for another movie. Like Wesley mm. Snipes is totally fine. You know? I just remembered. Um, an earlier Marvel movie. I just thought of it before Blade, Howard the Duck. Oh, no. <laughs> that went in the cinema. That was in cinemas. Like, it counts. And because, no, the re- no. and because the reason I brought it up is because, like, oh, well, they should bring that Howard the Duck back into Secret Wars. Like, do that. A lot of people want Howard the Duck to happen. And I just don't think it's a good idea. I mean... No, in a world with the Guardians, the Guardians, which you can totally do Howard the Duck. He's, um, he's a detective. Yeah, you can totally do it. 
Somehow. Do you know, a full movie or a certain character? Well, you know how they did Werewolf by Night as a special presentation? Like, that's okay. what they're going to do with a lot of introducing a lot of characters moving forward. Then maybe don't need a movie, but you want to introduce them. So how do a How the Duck special presentation? Like, do that. Yeah. I and then you can just whack him in, like, you know, the way he's been kind of showing up time. Like, he's been in the Guardians films. He was in Avengers Endgame for a split second. Um, you know, you can just have him, like, kind of show up. Or put him in a Deadpool movie. That's how you do uh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I got answers for everything. Um, all right, Josh, which 90s film could best be improved by the technology of today? So it doesn't have to be CG, but it can be CGI. We're like, you know what? This film is great, but if, you know, if it was made today, you could just, it would look a lot more polished. It would be a better experience. You need two seconds to type in 90s sci-fi movies to jot my memory, and I can tell you straight away. It doesn't have to be sci-fi. I, I feel like there's a sci-fi movie that... Um, I said 90s. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Matrix, but I was like, Matrix is totally fine. It's pretty flawless. Like, it still holds up really well. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a movie in the 90s. Oh, is... No, I was going to say Total Recall because of all the puppets, but they did remake Total Recall. Mm. Well, I'm not saying remake it. I'm saying just like give it like a remaster or something or like if they just they just made it today instead yeah i don't know hang on i want my hands to be good <laughs> the other the on the last episode I, I was trying to figure out whether um the mummy returns was made in the 90s or not because that's got some really rough cgi but yeah. it was it was made in two thousand and one. So because oh, yeah. I swear, money. Because I thought I was like, oh yeah, the money Terminator. Um, wouldn't I? I mean, like I don't know because you got a new Terminator movie, so I know what it's like. Um, I know Terminator's another one for, like that did make my list that I thought was really good. Um, the first Terminator's eighties. Second one's nineties. Second one's nineties. I don't know, man. Um. Ace Ventura also made my list as well. Like of all course. The, I've, all the it, movies there is a, a shocking lack of Jim Carrey on your I know, list. I know. They're, they're on the side, but I was mm. like, I have to take them out. <laughs> I was going to do a special mention. Oh, what I, would you say? I don't want to ask you too many questions at once. You're still trying to figure out your technology one. <laughs> yeah, don't ask me. I was going to say, if, which is your favourite 90s Jim Carrey film? I was thinking about this because I really love The Mask. But yeah, also, The Mask is great. I feel like if I was going for, like, um, all round, because I really find Ace Ventura really funny and really cool, um, but I think The, the Mask sort of ticks just every single box. You know? it, um, it's, a, it's a real, um, like, in many ways, it's Deadpool before Deadpool. Like, he breaks the fourth wall. Like, he does, like, <laughs> like it's, such a, it's such a strange movie, um, yeah. but it works so well. Uh, I got my answer. That you, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, right? <laughs> the, or like, or even like you know, Batman and Robin, like all those those drag races, like over CGI <laughs> screens and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, totally fine movie. I love Batman Forever. You know, for a number of reasons. Tim Burton, Jim Carrey, the Riddler. You know. Well, Tim Burton didn't direct Batman Forever though. Oh, I keep forgetting that. But no, no it was, Sch- it was Schumacher. Tim Burton produced. Oh. Um. I like both those Schumacher Batman films. Like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, like whilst heavily flawed, there's a lot of fun to be had with them. You just can't take them too seriously. 
Um, like if you're expecting the Dark Knight, like you've you do, you've misunderstood the film. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, the thing is, I was fine with like most of the CG in all these movies. Like, I thought, you know, was, they were pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like even Star Wars, you know, I was like, okay. I was talking about Phantom Menace the other night and I was saying like that is a severely underrated film. Like people like take that film to task, but that is oh. there's more to that movie than Jar Jar Binks, guys. Like I, I mean, like I thought the CG was fine and still think it's fine. I love the Phantom Menace because obviously like you know has the best lightsaber fight out of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. I also like Jar Jar Binks, which is an unpopular opinion, but like that's that's what the Star Wars movies are. They're like these lovable characters or like cringy characters in this sci-fi universe like you can't like you just like even if you look at the mandalorian it's the exact same thing just a little cooler like there's yeah star wars that's the style you have like it's religion sci-fi and lovable characters Mm. added with family drama i appreciate that you've defended jar jar binks because very few people are going to do that so i think it's and the because i whilst i'm not the world's biggest jar jar binks fan i can say this it's a kid's movie. Like, he's meant to be silly. Like, that's the point of it. He's meant to make the kids laugh when they're not talking about trade deals and, like, politics because that's boring to children. Like, he's meant to make them laugh. I, I just think there's a lot of serious things happen and Jar Jar Binks was, like, your light, light-hearted part of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I argued, I'm like, C-3PO is, like, downright annoying and he's in all of those movies. Like, <laughs> like he is the most un- insufferable character in those films. But, like, people don't complain about him. Um, also, the point of Jar Jar Binks was to be annoying, and if it's, if it becomes a like a, a pop culture icon in positive or negative light, then it's done its job. I am, I loved the theory. I don't know if you heard this, but for a while before Force Awakens came out, the theory was that the overarching villain of the new trilogy was going to be Jar Jar Binks gone bad. <laughs> like he was gonna just like he'd gone full villain, and I was like, I am so here for that. That would be amazing. I, I, even if it was like just like a, a dark Jar Jar Binks, just like not even like just, just for a while, I would totally be down with that. He didn't even change his name. Like you know how all the Sith Lords like get like a Sith Lord name. He's just like Darth Binks. Like they didn't even. He's like no no. They can know my name. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's got like a gravelly like gritty old man voice. He's like it's not like Mesa anymore. He's What's like yeah, that? had some tough years. Even in the last Star Wars movie, uh, Rise of the Skywalker, what's that little thing? I absolutely love Bubba that. or something. Uh, yeah, the... Bubba the, Frick or something? or Yeah, yeah, something Frick. I remember the first time I saw that movie, like I messaged you afterwards, I'm like, hey, I checked out, it wasn't that bad. And you're like, I love Bubba Frick. Like you were like... <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I, I was watching it and because uh, I like I like the Star Wars movies. Like, I'm not a huge fan, but I was like, I get it. And I think they're really enjoyable. One of the best sci-fi's to watch. And I was like, because I mean, like, I still think that the the sort of lighthearted characters make it. Um, and like, what's his name? Something freak. But but the something freak. Anyway, I just thought it was hilarious. I was sitting there, and this character comes out of nowhere. And I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and he was great. He was really fun. And this, he's the one who is he, he restores C3PO's memories or something? Is that yeah. what it is? Babu freak. Babu freak. Oh yeah, we're close. Look, I've seen that movie exactly one time, so like you know, to remember that it's not too, half bad, especially considering like they've named every individual character in that universe and people know them. Um, 
All right, last of the rapid fire round questions. You thought you were done. You're like, oh my god, they're done. Um, Which '90s movie deserves a mini series or TV show sequel? So it's very popular now. Like Cobra Kai is a good example, like as a sequel to Karate Kid. So, which movie from the '90s? You're like, you know what? I'd love to see those characters again. Show me like a mini series or even a a full series just to see more of that story. Uh, I. I was going to say The Crow, but I feel like the, we've got enough Crow movies. Well, they're still ma- aren't they making one with Jason Momoa or aren't they making like a sequel or a no, reboot? I thought or the first Crow was fine. I think we're sort of done with that IP, but I would like a TV show just because it's like I would want to see what they could do with it. Um, well, I have a very unpopular opinion of The Crow and it's the same unpopular opinion I have about Top Gun, whereas, whereas the fans of that movie need to chill out. Like <laughs> it's not a bad movie by any stretch, but like – People have immortalized this film and put it on a pedestal yeah. to be like, it is the gold standard. I'm like, mm. like it would have been cool for its time. And maybe I'm late to the party, but like ultimately, like people. So maybe The Crow does deserve a sequel because that Top Gun sequel was awesome. I couldn't believe how much I loved it. They've already done a sequel to The Crow. They've made several sequels. Yeah, they've made yeah, City of Angels or something. Or... Oh, Top Monkeys is another good one too. They did uh, Top Monkeys show, didn't they? Did Top Monkeys, yeah. Uh, maybe Fifth Element then. <sighs> what a good idea. Absolutely. What a great yeah. choice. Like an HBO, like Fifth Element show or something. Just um, not as intense as um, uh, Altered Carbon. <laughs> I haven't seen Altered Carbon, but I'll take your word for it's, it. It's, it's good, but it's just you got to concentrate and it's really long. As long as it's not like Westworld. Like I remember watching the first season of Westworld and I was like, this is amazing. And season two, I'm like, are they deliberately trying to confuse me? Because I have no idea what's going on. Like that show became too smart for its own good. I think. Like, yeah. I, I know I, people enjoy that show, but I couldn't get I couldn't get through it. I'm like, this is too. There's we, too much going on. We got through season two, but season three just lost us completely. Mm-hmm. Um, season one is awesome. Yeah, season one is great. Like, so so good. Like, and like you know, if you know anything about Westworld, like I knew about the movie, and I'm like, oh, the movie with the robots take over. And like Tina was like, is that what it's about? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what this show is. And then like it literally ends with them the robots taking over. I was like, oh, good. Just done. So I like just the, the way that the story is, like you don't even know it's a time jump is so clever. Yeah, it's really I just well. sat there with my jaw dropped, going, amazing. Yeah. Um, I think that Fifth Element is a fantastic answer for a sequel. Let's just say for a sequel series. Like, why not? Like everyone involved is still around. You've still got Bruce Willis, you've still got Michael, uh, Gary Oldman, you've still got Millie Overvich, you've still got Chris Tucker, whether you want that character back or not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, you've still got Luke Besson. Like, you could totally do it. Or um, basketball. <sighs> I rewatched basketball, like, last year, like, towards the end of last year, and that flick is so funny. Yeah, like, you easily make a TV show on basketball. <laughs> yeah, like, where they're, they're, like, the coaches now, or, like, you, like, dug it um, – like Coop and Rima have had a falling out and they like coach rival yes. basketball yeah. teams. Yeah. It, easy, like just a sports story. It's easy. Like Yeah. And like it's not about it's not about winning the league, it's about like rekindling the friendship and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, perfect. Yes. You, I mean, look, it's basically the plot of basketball. Like they used to have a falling <laughs> out and become friends at the end on the mucka mucka tree bridge or whatever it is. Um I just choked on my own saliva. Yeah, it's a bit different. <laughs> But you could totally do it. Like, that'd be great. Um, and there are plenty, like, because, like, they don't have to be athletes, there's plenty of, like, young 
comedians or not even young comedians. Like you could get some really great cameos. Yeah. Like you could throw like a Seth Rogen in one episode. Like you could play for like a Bill Burr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a as like a commentator or a team owner or something, yeah. or even a player. Um, that's a great answer. I like that more than Fidel. Yeah, I thought Fidel was great. Some, I've completely forgot the comedy char- uh, the comedy category for the 90s, mm. which is like Eddie Murphy and all that. Yeah, it's the birth of the bad boys of SNL, David Spade, Adam Sandler. Like, think about like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I adored those. I worshipped those movies when I was yeah, you know, yeah, a yeah, kid. Like, trio, the Holy Trio. I remember, like, when Happy Gilmore first came out, like, my dad wouldn't let me see because there was too much swearing in it. And, like, it's – if you think back to Happy Gilmore now, like, it's so tame. Like, <laughs> like cut to, like, 40-year-old virgin, which you couldn't show. Like, you couldn't watch until you were 15 because you weren't allowed in the cinema. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the other day as well, um, Mr. Deeds, which I think is a heavily underrated Adam Sandler comedy. Um I, uh, I just think it's still different than, you know, Waterboy, Happy Madison, uh, sorry, Billy Madison and uh, Gilmore. Waterboy, Water, um, Water yeah, that's a great flick. Um, even Little Nicky, like Little Nicky was kind of a forgotten one, but I enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, good stuff. Well, I've had a, a grand old time going back to the 90s with you, mate. Like, there's, um, That's a solid list and we just had a couple of like follow-ups there as well, which is I really want a basketball series now. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, I really want a basketball series. Uh, and it would be so cheap to do because, like, you just have to, like, most of it's just going to be in a stadium. Like, you just have, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you just build a set for a stadium and then, like, it's a house and maybe, like, an office or whatever, and that's about it. Like, you could literally just do, like, George's time at, at the baseball stadium in Seinfeld. Like, that's your setting. Yeah, for, yeah like, it just means all the sports tropes. Like, so, uh, so easy to do. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Now, uh, you're all in the midst of, of your game at the moment. Do you have any updates or anything you can tell listeners? Is it all quite hush-hush still? Or? Uh, I'm going to keep it hush-hush, I think. No worries. All. Well, people can follow you on Instagram. Can you remind them of your game company's Instagram handle again? At Deadleaf Games. Excellent. Um, he's, you're putting up content regularly. Like, there's so much content coming out all the time. Um, some of the stuff you put up recently was so impressive to me. I remember I was talking to you before the show, like – you did these like holographic mushroom things, which looked amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh, you got your first piece of fan art, which is awesome. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Um, excellent. Josh is being very shy when it comes to, he always closes up when we talk about the game because he doesn't <laughs> want to brag. But, um, yeah, no. No, go ahead and support um, Josh's page, Dead Leaf Games. It's awesome. The, the updates are really cool. Every time I see stuff, I'm impressed. And it's because we've talked about this before, but for those who don't know, Josh does almost all the work himself. Like he's got a couple of people helping out here and there, but he does most of it by himself. So to say the caliber of work coming out from one person is insane. Like it shouldn't be possible, but yet you're doing it. Um, Very tired, mind you. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that as well. Um, thankfully, you don't have kids um, or a mortgage and stuff, so that makes things a bit easier. Um, I've removed all the unnecessary risks. Like donate kids, donate this, just fine. Just, just all that matters is junk lands. Um, oh, have you have you released the name? You have released the name, haven't you? I was like, oh my god, if I just like broken the NDA. Tom Holland, uh, Tom Holland Yeah, exactly. Well, the good thing is this isn't live yet, so I could have erased it out <laughs> if I had to. Um, what What would you have put there in its place? I would have just cut the end of the episode. Like, I just would cut it there and be like, that's the week. <laughs> just ends really weird. And abruptly, uh, you know, you're working on a game called... 
<laughs> you're like, see, guys, unfortunately, Josh had to go. No, I do the Poochie ending with like, <laughs> I must be leaving now. My planet needs me. Poochie <laughs> died on the way back to his planet. <laughs> that was much better. Uh. Uh, alrighty. Well, it's been a fantastic episode. Um, as you all know, Josh will be back again. Josh um, is always very generous with his time and comes to the show regularly. So we'll have him on again very soon, I'm sure. Um, we've got a big 50th episode special in uh, coming up, which I've got to start planning because that's going to be so much work. But that's, gonna be, that's that'll be when you're back, if not before. Um, in the meantime, please follow the show on Instagram. I was a teenage film snob, underscores between every single word. Um, please like and subscribe. Give us five-star reviews. Anything less than five stars, get out of here. Um, no, just kidding. I'll take anything. Just be oh, nice, please. Um, give me 4.5 stars. That's, a, that's believable. They'll be like, five stars, no way. But 4.5, like, oh, I can say that. Um, <laughs> as we say every week on this show, guys, uh, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to be better. We'll see you next week.